What do you think of the new countdown, Buck? I like it a lot. Come on, man. I like it a lot. Happy I was Friday. Like I could do a lot in 60 seconds. The other 60 seconds, there's all <laughs> kinds of things going on right here in this room in 60 seconds. A little 10-second countdown, not so much, but I like it a lot. It's good. Good stuff. What are your hands doing during those 60 yeah, seconds? Yeah, there's a lot of man can do in 60 seconds, especially an old man. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to know. Happy Friday to everybody out there. Welcome in to another edition of Bucky and BK Live on Texas Sports Unfiltered. It is Friday, August 25th. 20 and 23 and we've got college football tomorrow of course we are eight days away from the start of the texas longhorn season and the start of most of the college football season but we do have some week zero games coming up tomorrow we'll preview some of those we'll talk plenty of texas football today we'll get buck's thoughts on some of the nfl preseason that he was watching last night We'll talk about something that happened to me on my drive back from Galveston yesterday. We are locked and loaded, taking you all the way until 10 o'clock right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Buck, happy Friday to you, my friend. Happy Friday to you also, BK. And good morning to the soldiers at Fort Cabasas, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day. Thank you so much for the great job that you do. It is appreciated by us, and I'm sure it's appreciated by all. Thank you very, very much. And yes, for the forecast, there will be rain on Monday. Yeah, there you go. How about that? You're putting in the call? The call is in. Rain for Monday. Are we going to get more than the 15 minutes we got earlier this week? The spittles that we got? Yeah. It'll be a little bit more than the spittles of last Tuesday. You're calling sure. legit rain next Monday, three yeah. days from now. Three days from now. Prepare. Get the ark ready. <laughs> the are. Uh, you're calling for a downpour huh? Wait, storm like storms coming in the storm of all storms coming monday no we will get some rain okay and i continue and i will continue on my hot streak is that so, a uh, farmer's almanac prediction or can you feel that in your fake knee that's the fake knee starting to feel it right now starting to stiffen up this morning after a, after a good workout before i started that workout though it was starting to stiffen up so Let's be careful. I'm feeling it for Monday. And right. And let that non-believer, Trey Elling III, my doctor, let him understand it's going to happen. Mm. You did a workout this morning? I did a little workout this morning. I feel good. I was feisty yesterday and ready to go. I feel pretty good again today. Today is a good day. Today is a good day to have a good day. I like that a lot. Today is a good day to have a good day. There's your random tip for kids. There you go, kids. On a Friday. That's yeah. right, a Friday of your second week of school when you're all you're thinking about is getting out of school and having the weekend. Well, today is a good day to have a good day. I like Make that. I, I like that. It's a good day to be one day away from college football, Buck. We've got college football tomorrow. Seven games in Division One. A couple of ranked teams will be starting their seasons, including Notre Dame. They take on Navy in Dublin, Ireland, overseas tomorrow. That's a 2.30 kickoff right there. And Lincoln Riley and USC, they open up their 2023 campaign against San Jose State. Uh, they are 30-and-a-half-point favorites in that game. It'll be on the Pac-12 network. Good luck watching it. No one's going to be able to watch it. No. Notre Dame, a 20-and-a-half-point favorite against Navy tomorrow afternoon. Uh, do either of those games intrigue you? Do any of the matchups we have in college football's Week 0 have your attention? Well, I want to see Sam Hartman throw the ball for Notre Dame. That's what I'd like to see. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I know what's going to happen 
with USC. They're going to beat them by about 50. And the marks of the Heisman will be on for Mr. Williams. I mean, that's just uh, – you know that's going to happen. They're going to, they're going to just lay it to San Jose State. I mean, you didn't say San Diego State, did you? You said San Jose State? No, San wow. Diego State is playing tomorrow. They're playing oh. the Bobcats of Ohio out of the MAC. That actually might be the best, like, actual game tomorrow in terms yeah, of, it, like, two decent teams that are relatively evenly matched that could give us something relatively entertaining. Yeah, I mean, but I think Caleb Williams will be starting his march to get back-to-back Heisman trophies. It's never been done. But he looks like that's a good start for about eight touchdowns in the game right there. Mm. That's going to happen early. And Lincoln Riley will start gearing up things for when he plays Deion Sanders that he beats them by 80. So <laughs> yeah, is, you think Colorado is losing every game by 80 this year. They are going to get hammered that group. Mm. So are you, are you making the call for Caleb Williams to go back to back? You think he's going to become the second player in college football history to win two Heisman's? I do. Wow. I, do. I expect him. I, I expect him to be in the college playoffs this year. I expect that they're not going to get beat by Utah this year. I expect that he's going to put absolute huge numbers up. And if there's any offensive coordinator in college football that that just schemes guys to be wide open and all your quarterback has to do is find them is Lincoln Riley. Yeah. You know, he's, he's the best offensive mind in the sport, right? Oh, now. yeah. And he will and he will and he will find a way to get his guy hundreds of yards early in the season and playing in that and saying goodbye, you know, to the pack, whatever's left of the pack 12. He will go out the way Texas should go out in the big 12. I mean, his guns will be a blazing at USC because they know what they're in for after this year. So they need to they they need to up their game in a lot of different ways, including their recruiting. So they want to put it on the Pac-12 on the way out. Yeah, I, I don't think Lincoln Riley took the USC job with the hope or expectation that he'd be coaching in the Big Ten. Right. Like, I think part of the reason why he left Oklahoma was he didn't want to go to the SEC. He wanted to go to an easier conference that gave him a very easy path to the college football playoff. And well, after this year, he loses that easy path to the college football playoff. Now, when the playoff expands to 12 teams, obviously it'll make things different. But yeah, the Pac-12 is nowhere close to the conference the Big Ten is. So, yeah, this is a, a golden opportunity. Hell, they had it last year. They blew it. All they had to do was win their conference championship right. game against Utah, and they are in, and they are a Final Four team a season ago. They didn't get the job done there. So, yeah, it's the last uh, last relatively easy opportunity for Lincoln Riley and company to find their way into the Final Four. You know, I, and, and as I say that, my two surprise teams, which aren't surprise teams for college football this year, Michigan is one because I think they've, with their quarterback, they've upgraded and they, and they continue to stay better. They continue to be a part of the college playoff, you know, and beat Ohio State again. I figure they're going to beat them again. But my other team is Utah with Cam Rising coming back for his 12th or 13th season. I mean, they are, that is a crusty group there in Utah. And I, I think they'll be really, really good again. I, even though they lose their tight end, they lose a secondary guy and they lose a linebacker that's pretty damn good. I would think, I mean, their coach has been there forever. I think that's going to be a, a really good program. And I, I, it's going to be hard for I, – I think USC can beat them once. I don't know if they can beat them twice. That's hmm. the only deal. And once again, they, they have to be, beat them when it matters. And they have to win that conference championship. But Utah is going to have a lot to say. And USC ought to be pretty, pretty upset about what happened to them last year because they got just, just smacked around by Utah twice. And physically beat up. 
Yeah, they did. Uh, it's awfully bold of you to have your two sleeper teams be two teams that are ranked in the top 15. Buck. <laughs> really going out on a limb there. I mean, Michigan, seriously, Michigan is the preseason number two team in the country. They've got some of the best odds to win the national championship in the sport. You're calling them your sleeper team? Come That's on, easy. man. Yeah, but you know, Michigan, they'll get to, to the big game. They'll get to the quarterfinals, semifinals, and then they'll lose in a championship game. I think they've got everything it takes. And, and one thing it takes is to have a solid quarterback play, and they've got that. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. I like Michigan a lot this season. I think this is Jim Harbaugh's best team. They're not a sleeper for me. I mean, they're the favorites in the Big Ten, and they should be. And they should be one of the favorites to win it all at the end of the year. It's obviously been a while for Michigan to uh, to win the national championship, but they've got everything in place you would think to get it done this year. And you're right, they do have a returning quarterback. Georgia does not. Ohio no. State does not. Alabama does not. Those are the other, you know, three big dogs in the sports, and those have been the schools that have ran the sport for the last decade or so. Uh, all of them, look, they're still all going to be really, really good. They're all preseason top five, but they're all having to replace their most important position on the when field. You think about Utah; they've got not only they've got an NFL type quarterback in Cam Rising coming back again. So, uh, yeah, I'm calling him a sleeper, but when you've got a returning quarterback who's played for you for three or four years. And he's been there for three years now, and he's played really, really well. And he's played, and he's played his best football in big, in big time games. So I mean, Utah has an opportunity too to be in that playoff too in the college playoff. Yeah, they do. They you do. I would say somebody like Oregon or. Well, no, I thought you'd pick an actual sleeper. You know, like a team that's not ranked in the preseason poll. Like that's what a sleeper is. No, for college football, everybody's a sleeper except like, for Georgia right now. They're all sleepers. Michigan won the Big Ten last year and made the playoff. They're not a sleeper. Utah won the Pac-12 last year and played in a New Year's Six Bowl. They're not a sleeper. They're all sleepers with the exception of one team. That's Georgia. Everybody else is a sleeper to win a championship. Are you calling a three-peat for Georgia? Alabama's a sleeper to win the college football championship. Yes. With Georgia there. Is this one of those like Tiger versus the field debates this year for you? It was one of those old ones, yes. In the oh. 90s with Tiger, right? You're absolutely right. Man, 2000 well, Tiger. Yeah, that guy was something else. Something else. Uh, Texas doesn't have any 2023 opponents playing this weekend, Buck. The Longhorns do have a 2024 opponent playing this weekend. How about this one? Are you going to be locked in to Hawaii at Vanderbilt tomorrow? Probably not. Come on, man. Your cousin? No. 30 on the SEC network? No, that's not that's not one of them. That's not an SEC for the future game that I'm willing to watch. It's a what big time, game. For what time, wait, wait a minute. What time did you say that starts? 6.30. Oh, so it's not Hawaii. It's not one of those <laughs> no. 12, 15 games. Okay, in Nashville cool. this year. Yeah, Hawaii's in making Nashville. the trip to, uh, to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. Nice trip to get out of Hawaii right now with everything that's going on there, I'm pretty sure, for those kids. Mm. Okay. So no uh, no cousin plays this weekend? That's and what no, you're telling me? And Notre Dame playing the midshipman, that's a good game to watch for about a half. But you know it'll end up being close. They'll be running that. They'll be Those little ankle biters will get all over Notre Dame, you know, for the first half, and then they'll just wear them down. And Hartman will throw for five touchdowns in that game. Mm. You know, there's another guy that could be running for – could make the race for a Heisman Trophy. He can yeah. throw. He's a good quarterback. He's a solid quarterback. Notre Dame hadn't had a quarterback like this in quite a while. So 
Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who Notre Dame is and, and they what they're going the run, to do. Their problem is they can't stop the run. They had such a weird year last year, right? They had some embarrassing losses early in the season, and then they whipped up on Clemson late. They uh, beat South Carolina in a bowl game. Like, they ended the year on a high note, but it right. was an ugly, ugly start to uh, the Marcus Freeman era. And he's, no, a just, defensive co- he's a defensive coach that couldn't stop the run. Teams ran on Notre Dame last year. And, you know, with, without Brian Kelly, that was the first time in about four or five years they didn't have ten wins. Yeah, Brian Kelly, you know, the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, won 10 games for about four or five years in a row. And now first year out of the block, they couldn't win 10 games. They yeah, they, they lost to Stanford and they lost to Marshall. I think Matthew McConaughey was coaching that Marshall team oh. and they went up there and beat Notre Dame. Like that was how the Marcus Freeman era started a, a yes. year ago. But once again, they ended on a high note. Like you're right, Brian Kelly's a hell of a coach, man. That guy – like, I, I really wish this is beating a dead horse right now, but I was kind of pissed when I saw LSU go poach Brian Kelly away from Notre Dame because I was yeah. wondering why Texas couldn't do the same thing the year before, right? Like, could Texas have called up Brian Kelly and money whipped him to come down to Austin? Because, look, I like Sark. Sark's doing a great job, but he doesn't have the resume that Brian Kelly has. Like, that right. guy's had a lot of success. You mentioned it, winning his coach in school history, uh, played in, for a national championship. I know they got embarrassed in that national title game, but like that guy's a hell of a coach. He's a proven yes, he commodity as a coach in college football. And he, can recruit. and he can recruit. He does the same things that Sark does in recruiting. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, you know, it's like Texas, right? It's easy to recruit at LSU, but uh, look, obviously easier to recruit at either of those places than to recruit at Notre Dame. So I, I thought the Brian Kelly hire was going to be a home run, even though he had the ridiculous family, family comments. The whole family. Oh yeah. Trying to fake a uh, Cajun uh, accent before he have to last do a thing season. Now. He just has to win the games now. He doesn't have to be, you know, he doesn't have to do all that hometown boy stuff now. He just has to win games for them. That's all they care about. Yeah, LSU is going to be good. They're a top five team. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know what Notre Dame is going to be. You talked about the Sharp Man, right? Sam Hartman. I like that dude a lot. Put up great numbers at Wake Forest. Uh, they've got some talent coming back on both sides up there in South Bend. I just, I don't know. They've got a tough schedule. They play three top 15 teams. Uh, I don't know what to expect from Notre Dame. So I don't know how much we're going to learn from them in a game against Navy. I mean, they they should, do they not have an early tilt against Ohio State like they, they always do? They do. Yeah, they've wow. got Ohio State. They've got USC, and I think they've got Clemson. So three, well, that's three top 10 teams. Forget just top 15. Three top 10 teams uh, on their slate this year. So uh, if they are going to make some noise this year, it's going to be tough. But if they can find their way into the playoff conversation, it's going to mean that they're a damn good team because they've got one of the tougher schedules in the country. So, yeah, i excited to watch Notre Dame. Look, I, my cousin's going to be all over this action tomorrow. I was hoping to get a one to 5,000 unit lock from you, Buck, but I guess no. we'll have to wait until next real week. Football, next week when real football starts, that's when we'll get it. Or yeah. when the NFL – I'll give you the locks in the NFL. I think I'm going to be an NFL guy this year. I can Whoa. feel it. Yes. Okay. I can feel it. And it won't, a lot of it won't have anything to do with your Dallas Cowboys for sure. Wow. I guess you don't like making money then. Because <laughs> the Cowboys <laughs> like, are pretty damn I don't like good. giving money away. Just uh, giving it away. <laughs> Hold on now. Since you're the NFL guy, preseason week three, any locks for this weekend? No, I would have had a lock last night, and that would have been small hands picket because that guy is just balling right now. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, that would have been my lock. They are they are the, the Ravens of old when it comes to preseason. 
it looks like Mike Tomlin's trying to keep this thing going early. And he's trying to get his young quarterback in the flow of things. And this guy's throwing the ball all over the yard, Kenny Pickens. This kid is really in his second year. I know you're not believing in Kenny Pickens. You're not believing in the Pittsburgh Steelers. You believe in their defense because the steel curtain is back. The T.J. Steel Watt is healthy. back. Yeah, T.J. Watt is healthy. He's ready to go with 20, 25 sacks this season. Yes, he's the guy. Wow. Okay. And little hands Pickens is the man. Yeah, the little hands Pickens. He's ready to go. I just don't know if he can even grip the football, man. <laughs> Come on. Guy's got to use gloves to, go, to be able to hold that thing, you know? And the oh, Cowboys man. won't be playing anybody this weekend. You no. know, they're, this is the last one. They're All they're going to do is try to get people not to get hurt. They don't want anybody hurt this last one. So these will just be guys that are trying to make the club playing this weekend. For sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back teams. in We'll get back into the NFL because I do want to get your thoughts on the Cowboys. I also want to get your thoughts on the Colts because you and I are on different ends of a debate yeah. in regards to the future of the Indianapolis Colts, namely Jonathan Taylor. But uh, I want to talk some Longhorn football here, Buck. And this was interesting. So Matt Miller, who is a draft expert for ESPN, he released his 2024 preseason first-round NFL mock draft. This thing dropped – yesterday on the four-letter network and i found this fascinating he has three longhorns going in the first round of the 2024 nfl draft he's got quinn ewers he's got xavier worthy and he's got jatavion sanders now the most fascinating part because i've looked at a number of mock drafts i'm crazy i'm a mock slut okay like I, i i love looking at mock drafts 24 7 365 the day after the draft ends i'll be looking at mock drafts for next year like i'm all over this stuff i've seen plenty of mock drafts that have quinn ewers going in the first round i've seen plenty of mock drafts that have xavier worthy going in the first round i've seen plenty of mock drafts that have jt sanders going in the first round i don't think i've seen a mock draft that has quinn ewers going in the top 10 buck and matt miller of espn currently has quinn ewers slated to go eighth to the Washington Commanders next year. But how about that? Quinn Ewers, a top 10 pick. If that happens, uh, what does that mean for the Longhorns here in 2023? That I'll hedge that back to just one loss for the season then instead of two. I'll hedge my bet. If that that guy's in the top 10, I'll have to do that because, you know, the number of quarterbacks that are coming out, when you have Caleb Williams coming out, when you have Hartman coming out, there's two right there looking at you. I, I is Quinn Ewers the the third? Would that make him the third guy to come out and be something special? I don't I don't know. I mean, and if he is, then they should only lose one game at the most. Uh-huh. And if you're, if you're talking about three first round picks in Xavier Worthy and Sanders, that anything past Quinn Ewers, I would think would be a kid who can't come out, and that's the left tackle. That's about it for me. I don't see the other two guys. I. I Maybe late in the first round, first round. I don't see those guys in the top 20, 25 picks. I mean, I'm talking about late, and that includes Xavier Worthy. I'm talking about late, late, 28, 29, 30, and, right. and the same thing with Sanders. I, Sanders hasn't done enough to me to be a first-round draft pick, and are they going to put him in position to be a first-round draft pick? Now, I can see him in, in the second and in the middle of the second round, but I don't see him. Where is it that he has all of that going on in the first round? When yeah. you're looking at the tight ends that have just gone from college to the NFL, some of these guys that have numbers, I mean, huge numbers throughout their entire career. He doesn't have any huge numbers. 
Right. This is on this is on ability and and potential only because he doesn't have the numbers to be a first round draft pick right now. This is this to me is a reach. Okay. Well, a couple of different things here because you asked like 18 different questions sure. in uh, in that monologue there. Uh he's got Xavier Worthy going 18th to Miami and Matt Miller has JT Sanders actually as the last pick in the first round going 32. To okay. the Kansas City Chiefs. So, to your point about you know those guys being pretty late, Xavier Worthy not that late, but obviously in the second half of the first round, and then once again, J.T. Sanders, the last pick of the first round, according to Matt Miller. You brought up the quarterbacks. Quinn Ewers is the third quarterback off the board. Now he's got Caleb Williams as the number one pick to Arizona. For those curious, Drake May, the kid out of North Carolina, North Carolina yes, is the number three pick going to Tampa Bay, according to Matt Miller. Quinn Ewers is the third quarterback off the board, once again going number eight to Washington. Sam Hartman, you like him a lot. I think he's going to be a draft pick in the NFL. I don't think anybody expects him to be a first-round pick. There is one other quarterback that Miller has going in his first round of his 2024 mock, and that's J.J. McCarthy from Michigan going to your Minnesota Vikings. A little guy. Yeah, at uh, number 21 overall. So, so there you go. So Ewers is the third quarterback off the board, but still going in the top 10. Xavier Worthy at 18. Jatavion Sanders going at number 32. So that's where he's got them slotted right now. And, man, if Texas has three first-round picks next year and Quinn Ewers is a top 10 pick. Are they losing any games? Yeah. I mean, it's you know th- th- this team's going to win the Big 12 if that happens. They're going to win yes. 10 games. They're going to win the Big 12. They're going to be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. If what Matt Miller is predicting actually comes to fruition, then yeah, Texas is going to be a really, really good football team. They're going to finish the year in the top 10, and that obviously is what we're all looking for. And it's telling you that they're going to have huge numbers offensively. Yep. In the throwing game, they're going to just have massive numbers for two players that I believe in order for them, and especially for the tight end, for him to be a first-round pick, I don't care if it's the last pick, has to have massive numbers. What did he have last year? 40 catches, 30 catches? Sanders? Yeah. Now, 54 catches, 613 yards, and five touchdowns. Okay, in order for him to be in the first round, he's probably going to have to be 65. He's going to have to be 70 catches. Yeah. I mean, are they, are they going to make sure, is Sark going to make sure that he gets 70 catches? If he gets 70 to 75 catches, BK, they're going to win an awful lot of games. If he gets the same amount of catches he had last year, he's not going to be the last last guy in the first round. He'll be a second-round pick somewhere. Yeah. He has, to, yeah. he has to have the numbers. It can't be just on – his potential and what he's going to be or they've been waiting for him because he had been there, you know, three years. Right. Yeah. Look, I, I think his numbers need to be a little bit better this year. I think they will be a little bit better this year, but uh, just the frame that that guy has, I mean, six four two forty three, and he's proven that he can get open. Right. I mean, this is a five-star kid coming out of high school. Uh, didn't do a ton his freshman year, but sort of came into his own last year. Yep. And I think he's going to take another step this year as he gets more, comfortable with the Sark offense, but also more familiar with Quinn Ewers as well. I do expect JT Sanders to put up better numbers this year than he did uh, a season ago. And if he does that, he's got a chance to be a first round pick. Now I don't think he'll be the first tight end off the board. Like I think that's going to be Brock Bowers and Matt Miller has Brock Bowers going, I think 17th overall in this mock draft. Like that guy's the best tight end in college football. And I don't think there's anything JT Sanders no. can do. That's going to change that. But no. I think Sanders could be in the conversation for the second best. Tight well, end if you decide football. to put him in the same situation that you do Brock Bowers, where you hand him reverses, where he's getting, you know, wide sweeps as a runner, not just a cat pass catcher, but you got to give him the numbers. You got to make sure that he's there to catch the ball. When he's in a seam, <laughs> you go ahead and you go ahead and hit him for six and let him get 12. That's, that's fine. 
They don't seem to do that yet. Maybe this is the year they'll do that. As I said, he needs to catch about 70 balls. Mm. And that means you're going to take some away from Whittington or you're just going to spread the love. But I, as, as, as I've noticed from him over the last two years is the fact that when they don't get him involved early, he's not involved late. Get him in, in the first quarter, get him the football. As I said, make him a runner. He's a big old physical guy who can run with the ball. I mean, Brock Bowers has dead-on speed. Brock yeah. Bowers has that funky ability to make you miss in the open field. But what he does have, that guy can run. That guy can go. Yeah. Yeah, Brock that Bowers is a beast. Yeah, look, Bowers only had 63 catches last year. That's only nine more than Sanders had. But Bowers had 942 yards. Like, he made the most of his receptions. Like you said, he was able to make guys miss in the open field. He's able right. to run over dudes. He's got uh, a little bit more speed, at least, that he showcased to this point in his college career. So he, he's, he's better than JT Sanders, which is fine. Like, uh, the, we're talking about Texas maybe having the second-best tight end in college football. Yeah, that's, okay. that's what it would make him. Yeah, sign me up for that. So, I don't know, man. And I love the fit. You talk about JT Sanders going to the Chiefs, getting to learn from Travis Kelsey. I know, you're right. Where, like, you know, he Kelsey's obviously the number one for a few more years. Kelsey's about to be 34, though. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that's JT Sanders going into the league as a number two tight end, getting to work with Patrick Mahomes, getting to work with one of the Hall of Fame or a future Hall of Fame tight end, one of the best tight ends of all time, and Travis Kelsey. You talk about fits. Dude, that is the ultimate fit right there for J.T. Sanders. Yeah, I see. When when Sark was with Alabama, I mean, it was mid-range throws. You know, they they didn't do very much with the tight end. The tight end primarily was a blocker at Alabama, you know, for that run game. Uh, but they didn't do very much. I mean, the, the, the kid that came to Texas played at Alabama, played some tight end. It wasn't like he caught a bunch of balls when he was there. No, they didn't have they didn't have a JT Sanders though at tight end when uh, Steve Sarkeesian was there. Like they had a couple of pieces. Obviously, if you're on scholarship at Alabama, you can play a little bit. Yes, but no. When when Sark was in Tuscaloosa, uh, he didn't they have a tight end. Yes. Yeah, he they they obviously had better receivers, right? Like oh my god, sure. with with Waddle and Devontae Smith and John Mechie and uh, Jamison Williams. I mean, the receivers were just out of control. Yeah, you didn't need um, yeah. a tight end. You you just spread them out wide and see if you could. Who are you going to try to pick your poisons? That's what that was. So yeah, now Sark's got receivers it. and a tight end, which is uh, very very exciting. Uh, what about Xavier Worthy at eighteen? Man, do you think uh, you think he's got the chops to be a first round pick next year? Yeah, if he can catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, that, that would, would help. help. I mean, being a wide receiver and catching the ball helps. I mean, the the those mid range drops will have to go. And really, he didn't have a lot of that kind of stuff. He had the long, the long balls that were dropped by him last year, and they just didn't connect on a lot of that stuff. And he had the, as I said, the 50-50 balls that he really never battled for. It was he was never coming down with those balls last year. Those balls, he'd get one out of 20 that he would win the battle, the one-on-one battles. And maybe, I mean, if you got a broken hand, kind of hard to go up to battle with a broken hand. Yeah. I'm surprised he even caught the ball last year which at times people would say he didn't catch the ball. It hit him in the hands and he, and, but, but he didn't have as many of those middle drops where he had, where his head was going one way and, and never really looked the ball in. He caught the, you know, middle of the field balls. It's just those, those long balls that people thought that he should have had them in his hands. He just couldn't catch. And a lot of that stuff happened because I think with the, with the hand being broke, yeah. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. If you've got a broken hand and you're a right receiver, that's kind of hard to do. I mean, even little dislocated fingers when you tape them up and all that stuff, it's hard to come back and do that. But if you actually have a broken hand to try to catch a ball, that's got to ouch every time the ball hits your hand. Every time at practice, you can try to hide that. Can't hide a broken hand as a receiver. That's hard to do. 
Right. Yeah. None I mean, of us. Although knew about there were times where he looked like he was trying to catch with his feet. You know. Right. Well, none of us knew about the broken hand until after the season was over. So here I am every Saturday just yelling at the TV, like, dude, right. catch the damn ball. Right. And part of me still thinks, like, okay, if you're going to be on the field and you're a wide receiver, you should catch the ball. But I'm well, with you. That like, was, I, basically, that had to be on the coaching staff. Why are you throwing to a guy with a broken yeah. hand? Yeah. And somebody that's somebody else in the game. Right. No. That's where Texas is going to be different this year because Texas has way more wide receiver depth than they did last year. Like True. last year, it was Worthy and Whittington. And, you know, no disrespect to the other guys, but there was a pretty tremendous drop off after those two to everybody else. Well, now you've got those two guys and a healthy Xavier Worthy. You also have A.D. Mitchell. You also have Isaiah Naor. You also have Jonte Cook. So this wide receiver room is a lot better to where, yeah, you're right. It did feel like Sark was trying to force feed. Xavier Worthy at times last year. And I think he got impatient at times last year when he was play calling because of the lack of weapons that he had at his disposal. Uh, that should not be an issue. We should not be having conversations like oh, that no. this year because there are too many weapons for Texas to work with on offense for things to look like they did in the passing game at times a season ago. Yeah, and as I said, you know, you take Sanders and and split him out just a little bit, fake some dives and have him come on reverses. Let him run with the ball. Let him feel like he's a part of your offense. And then, you know, late in games, you can really go to him. You can depend on him to get open, and you can throw those balls. As we said, you don't like to see that third down and three run. Well, now you've got a guy who can that, – that, that'll find a seam, and you can throw it to him for eight yards for a first down, you know? He'll be confident. But when you don't throw to him early, that guy's going to look at you like, oh, now you want to throw to me? Yeah. I mean, receivers are like that. They're kind of fickle like that. You mean this whole game, now all of a sudden you want to throw balls to me late in the game? Well, I'm not that interested. But, you know, if you get him interested – through the first quarter of a game, and and by halftime, this guy has caught six balls. Now he's ready to go. He's ready to play football for you all day. He'll block for you. He'll catch for you. Fourth quarter, when you need a guy to make a big catch, he'll be there for you. But if you just kind of show him no love early, that guy mentally is not going to be there. I mean, it's just like anything else. Show the guy that you care about him. That was very similar to what what, uh, Sarge used to say about Whittington, how much he loved him. He's a a hard worker. I love this guy. he, He needs to be part of this offense. And then you never got him the ball for the first two years. Now, I know he was hurt, but even when he was playing, you still never got him the ball. Now, last year we saw them find him, and that needs to be the same. That ball just needs to be spread out all over the field. They've got so much talent on offense, especially at the wide receiver position. Get them all the ball. Yep, you don't have to I agree. sit back and throw bombs all day long to a guy with a broken hand. That's silly if you, really, if you really knew a guy had a broken hand and you were still trying to throw to him. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Yep, you've got more options this year, which is a good thing. And how about this comparison? Uh, Matt Miller mentions this in his mock draft. He compares Xavier Worthy to Jahan Dotson, your guy out of Penn State, the lean wide out with elite speed who could rise up draft boards. We saw Dotson do that in his final year of college, and there's a chance we see Xavier Worthy do that this year and potentially become a first-round pick. Dotson caught all the balls. He catches those mid-range balls. And he understands about looking a ball into his hands and then moving on. He's a catch and run guy, but he makes the simple catches. You know, uh, Xavier had some had some problems with some of the simple catches. And once again, I'm going to say it was about the hand. Yep. It wasn't about the kid. Yeah, I think uh, the hand was a lot of it. I do think you know he he got caught up in some nil fascination. Sure, hard not to. It's a big deal. Uh, he was making a lot of money and is making a lot of money through name, image, and likeness. But I think there were some distractions maybe going on with Xavier Worthy. But, you know, that's that's another one of these th- these things that excites me about this Texas team this year. You've got so many guys at key positions in quote-unquote contract years, Buck. 
Like Quinn Ewers can go pro after this year. Xavier Worthy can go pro after this year. Jordan Whittington can go pro after this year. JT Sanders can go pro after this year. A.D. Mitchell, like you just talk about the offense. Obviously, there's a bunch of guys on defense that we could get to, but you just look at these dudes on offense at the important positions on that side of the football. They know that if they go out there and bowl out this fall, Sure. Uh, there's a lot of money. Like NIL money is nice. It ain't NFL money. There's no, going to be a no, lot of no, money coming their way if they go ahead and pl- have good seasons. Before, but what you said on Tuesday, when does that come into play? When will these guys start to learn how to play for the name that's on the front instead of the name on the back? Maybe this, maybe this is uh, cumulative. This, this is where they start to say, I'm playing for the University of Texas. I'm playing for this, this deal on the front. That deal on the back will come. Everybody, people will know who I am if I'm playing for this deal that's on the front. You said that on Tuesday. When do they start playing for the name on the front instead of the name on the back? And we'll see if this is the year that they do it. Yeah. A couple of comments to get to. Rio says, not enough weapons last year. Wrong. Uh, I mean, the wide receiver room last year just wasn't good enough. It's as simple as that. Like, they had weapons. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they didn't have weapons. Hell, Bijan Robinson was the best weapon in the country. But outside of Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington, uh, not enough talent in that wide receiver room. Like, A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Nayor. Upgrades over Casey Kane. No offense to Casey Kane, but Sorry, like, Casey. That's, that's the truth. Now, I agree with this. Weapons were not uh, appropriately utilized. Yeah, th- I agree with that, too. But uh, the weapons here, especially in that wide receiver room, are much, much better than what they were last season. Haji, Hardball Harge. What's up? In the chat this morning. What's up, Mike? Hope you're doing well. Some comments. TSU, make every day a great day. Make every day a great day. There you go. Appreciate all of that. I want to get back to Quinn Ewers here for a second, Buck, before we uh, move on. Um, man, top 10 pick. That is crazy. What what type of season does Quinn Ewers have to have to enter that conversation? Because, look, he, he was up and down last year. It's well documented. We've talked about it a lot in the almost three-week history of Texas Sports Unfiltered, and every Texas fan has talked about it ad nauseum uh, over the last year. Like at times Quinn Ewers looked like he had the ability to be a first round pick. And at times he looked like a guy who didn't belong playing in college football, let alone playing in the NFL. What type of year statistically I test wherever you want to take this thing, does Quinn Ewers need to have to actually be in the discussion to be a top 10 pick next year? Well, I, I think it's it, with he and Sark together, those guys have to, he's got to be, uh, a guy that is is basically week in week out having great footwork. BK, you can get to the you know twenty two touchdowns passing or whatever you want to do and and, and try to get to a number, but it's got to be the consistency week in week out and 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 play by play whenever he step back you know when he steps back to throw the football, it's got to be a consistent thing with him because when he's consistent, this offensive coordinator slash head coach ought to be able to find guys open find ways to get guys open. There'll be mismatches on that field. There's just too many talented guys at wide receiver, not for somebody, you know, everybody doesn't have a number one corner covering these guys, but I think you got at least maybe two at two for sure, but three possibly number one receivers on your, on your football team. So who's going to cover these guys? You're going to cover them with, with safeties. I don't think so. So this has got to be a consistent thing by the quarterback. His footwork has to be consistent. His ability to study film and find out who's the weak link over there on the other side. And yep. that's the guy I'm going to. I'm going to beat the weak link until they take that guy out of the football game. I'm not throwing bombs just for the sake of airing it out and loosening up defenses. I'll take 15-yard plays. I'll take eight-yard outs. If a guy can't cover a guy for an eight-yard out, I only need eight yards twice to get a first down. 
I think that's how the math works. I did where I was at Catholic school there, where I was a Hall of Famer at Bethlehem Catholic. You know what I'm yeah, saying? You're not a Hall of Famer anymore, man. Oh, I'm a porta potty guy. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They might they might have a framed picture of you in that porta pot up there oh. in the hallways at your high school instead of a picture of you in a football uniform. Well, I would say this. I it's just it's just gotta him as a quarterback and consistency will be the deal. And that's what's gonna get him in in that first round, you know, first round as a first round pick as a quarterback, too. It's not going to be all arm strength. It's not going to be his ability to throw off balance on one leg and everything. It's going to be his consi- his consistency of when it's just a basic out route. It's a basic hitch route where he stands in a pocket. He stands with his shoulders straight ahead, and he throws the ball, and he leans into it. He's not backing away. He's not falling back. He's not trying to be Patrick Mahomes because he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's got to be Quinn Ewers that has good footwork and still does have the arm strength to do certain things. But his mechanics have to be there. And if his mechanics are there, NFL scouts are just going to drool over the guy because the arm strength is there. The ability to throw those off-timing patterns and those off-time passes are going to be there. But it's going to be the consistency with people are saying, you know, we'll take a chance. We're going to take a chance on this dude. Yep. All that stuff, all that stuff that you talked about has to be there, but he's got to put up better numbers too, plain and simple. Now, if he does everything that you're talking about, the numbers are going to come. Yeah, I don't know if he needs to get to four thousand, but Look, he had just over 2,100 last year. Now, he obviously was hurt, only started 10 games. One of the games that he did start, he left after the first quarter. But, yeah, you know, 2,100 yards, if he has a statistical season like that, hell, even if you extrapolate those numbers over the course of a full season, that's not going to get it done. I don't know if he needs 4,000. Hell, if he gets to 4,000 yards, he he might be in New York at the end of the year. 3,500 will do. Yeah, 3,500, uh, I think that's a pretty good barometer. And then, look, he's got to have more than 15 touchdowns, maybe 25 to 30. Uh, if he can get to that number, then all of a sudden, yeah. I think, should. Uh, I said, I'm saying 22, but if he gets to if he gets, gets to 30, look out. Yeah. This, this team may not lose a game. This team may go undefeated. Undefeated. Yeah, I'm just hedging away from that two-game loss. I'm, I, I just have to see him play. I have to see him play against competition. I, and I have to see him play not only against – than the opener against Rice because if he's lazy with his feet against Rice, he's going to be lazy with his feet against Alabama. Because sure. he, he's going to believe himself that my arm can still do this and it'll be about what I can do. It's not about how the coaches have coached me and what the coaches have coached him has not gotten through to him. He starts throwing off balance when he doesn't have to, when he can step into a throw, when there's no pressure in front of him, when this offensive line gives him time to throw and he's still kind of throwing all arm and not stepping into throws. That's going to be – that's that's a recipe to lose one of those big 12 games in a, in a tight game when he's just going to think it's all about his arm. Yeah. Somebody's going to come up and beat them. And that's going to be that second loss to me. But if I see him early and he's doing all those things, right. I expect him not only in game one to do it, I expect him to do it throughout the football season. And you're flip-flopping like a politician with your Texas Am I? prediction this year. Yeah. The Joe good news Buck, is old still, Joe Buck. You still have Joe Buck, the announcer Joe Biden Buck. <laughs> there you go joe biden buck how about that is that what they call you yeah old joe biden buck yeah old joey buckets Flipping all over the place hey the good news is you've got another week to uh keep flip-flopping all right you don't have to lock in your season prediction until next friday you know but once the longhorns actually play a game then you can't change it anymore then you've got to roll with what you had before the season started we got rice okay i got rice 
Oh, oh, good call. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, got, you're, yeah, we got rice. Wow. You're really going out on a limb this morning, Buck. You've got Michigan as your big sleeper in college football, even though they're the number two team in the country. And yes. you've got Texas beating rice. Those are your big predictions? Nothing's wrong with that. You like, people <laughs> like winners. People like winners. Oh, you know, my God. Like, by the way, it's hard to win. Winning is hard. Okay. Hold you on You need to now. know that. I don't think you know that. You've been in Houston too long. Around here, winning is hard. Well, yeah. then again, you've been around the Rockets, so you would know about winning is hard. Yeah, I've been around the Rockets and the Texans, dude. <laughs> they're, the, the, the worst teams in their respective leagues over the last few years. I've had to cover them. Thank God for the Astros, right? Giving me something good to talk about down there. But, oh, how'd they do last night? Oh, Yeah, they wow. got destroyed by the Red Sox yesterday, 17-1. to one. Sox? They got stomped, yeah, in a disappointing four-game split for the Strohs down there in H-Town. And, oh, the Rangers can't win either. We'll get to baseball here in a second, but man, want to give some love to our sponsors. We've got a new AV consultation spot, Buck. We're going nice. to try this. Hopefully this works. I have no idea if this works, but we've got a recorded commercial from our friends over at AV Consultation. Is that kid involved? Well, take a listen. Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. And Camilla McKay. Kid, what time is it? Oh man, it's back to sports time. The hockey and football seasons are upon us. And baseball is winding down to the best part. And what about basketball season? I'm 5'2". Who the hell cares about basketball? Yeah, we're talking about watching, not playing. And in that case, you've got everyone covered, right? That's right. Audiovisual Consultations has been providing awesome systems and service throughout Texas for over 30 years. Installing home entertainment systems and livening up restaurants with incredible audio and video systems. We're talking multi-screen video walls. And home entertainment that puts you in the best seat in the stadium. Just give us a call at 512-255-8678. Hey, aren't you forgetting something? Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Hug your kids until they beg you to stop. Watch a game with your friends. And make love to whoever the hell you want. Just give us a call at 512-255-8678 or visit us at avconsultations.com. Go Stars! Go Bruins! Kid. about that she's still holding on that's fantastic she's still holding on to that brewing thing huh uh yeah she goes breaking to team that didn't go anywhere oh yeah the best regular season team in nhl history that oh, yeah. lost in the first round yeah they're fabulous those bruins yeah i'll be back at it yeah i am a go. boston bruin fan though so oh what happened to your uh signed bobby Orr jersey why isn't that in the background somewhere at my ex's house Oh, or in her garage. <laughs> it's been in there for about 17, 18 years now. So, oh man, still has it. Still but has I'll be, it. I'll be sporting my St. Louis Blues sweater here shortly. Which team do you root for? I don't root for the Blues. I just got the jersey for some odd okay. reason or the okay. sweater. The sweater. All right. Little, uh, little Major League Baseball talk. Yeah, we brought it up earlier. The Astros got trounced at home yesterday by the Boston Red Sox, 17 to 1, the final score. Uh, JP France got the start for the Astros. He's been a revelation for the Strohs this year. He has been one of their most consistent starting pitchers all season long, a guy who began the year in AAA. He's been rock solid for the Astros for the most part, but yesterday he was anything but. Yeah, he got rocked, gave up 10 runs in two and a third innings. Uh, it was a struggle for him. It was a struggle for everybody. That was the worst ass-beating the Astros have taken all season long. 
And uh, yeah, they end up splitting a home series against the Red Sox. And uh, they won the first two. You would have hoped they would have found a way to win at least one more to claim yeah. a series victory, but they uh, they couldn't get it done. The good news for the Strohs, Buck, the Rangers are doing their best Yankees impression right now. The Rangers lost again. They had a lead late last night in Minnesota. Will Smith, someone needs to Chris Rock slap that guy. I guess it's the other way around how that went down. He gives up a three-run bomb. The Rangers lose their seventh straight game. The Yankees recently snapped a nine-game losing streak. The Rangers are uh, seemingly doing whatever they can to, uh, to try to get there. But the Yankees uh, got back on their losing streak. Everything's good. They're 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 starting a new streak now. Oh, you're happy about the Yankees losing to the Nationals yesterday? One of the worst teams in baseball that aren't the Athletics. Yeah, but when all things fail, it's time to call them up again. Call up Jeter. That's all you have to do. Okay, that's all you have to do. Organization, just call this guy. Get him off the couch. Get him away from the three daughters that he has and that beautiful wife of his. Get him back in uniform. He can. He doesn't have to play in the field. He can just be the manager. Just sit on the bench with a uni, come out, take the picture out, get him out of there, get him the picture out, and go, Sco, I want Jeter back. This is a bit that I just can't quite figure out. The captain? Jeter, he wants no part of that shit show organization right now. He, he wants to always be, be the captain. Dude, that guy always would rather that guy would rather have like eight more kids like Philip Rivers and spend time with them <laughs> than spend time with the New York Yankees right now. That's how bad y'all are. He loves Aaron Judge. I know that. Okay. Know that. He's gonna love watching him on TV, and Aaron Judge can go three for five, but the Yankees will still lose 10 to 5. Come on, man. That's where it's they're just, at right now. Booney will be gone. Everything. Now Otani screwed everything up. Yeah, Otani getting hurt. Up sucks. His elbow. Yeah, we yeah, that, about that. that sucks for baseball. Yeah, it, it does. sucks for him and it sucks for baseball. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yep. The Angels obviously out of things this year, but uh, the Otani free agency, look, it's still going to be a massive, massive deal. He's still going to get the biggest contract ever given out to an MLB free agent. But uh yeah, it sucks. We don't get to watch him over the last month and change. And now you start to worry about whether or not he's going to be able to pitch next year i assume he'll still be able to hit next season but if he does need to go under the knife again and get a second tommy john surgery uh, obviously you're not going to see shohei on the mound no. anytime soon so I, he's going to get paid a lot still but yeah it might cost him a few million dollars i think he'll be okay uh so the rangers lead is one game now over the astros and the mariners the mariners were off last night but because the astros lost The Mariners gained a half game on them. Those two teams are now tied for second place in the American League West. And obviously because the Rangers lost again, uh, the Mariners inched a little bit closer to uh, first place in the division. So this thing is absolutely insane. I talked about it earlier this week. The Astros do have the easiest remaining schedule of any of the three teams. The Rangers actually have the toughest remaining schedule of any of the three teams. The Astros taking on the Tigers this weekend up in Detroit. That's a series you'd expect them to win. The Rangers continuing their series in Minnesota and Seattle. Who does Seattle play? Ah, Kansas City. Speaking of worst nice. baseball, and the Mariners, uh, they got a chance to win a few more games this weekend. So, and if the if the two Texas teams don't take care of business this weekend, we might see Seattle, in the words of Bill Belichick, take over first place in the American League West for the first time seemingly all season. 
somebody's going to, if that, if, if Seattle keeps rolling the way they're going, somebody's going to be out in the state of Texas, aren't they? One of the two are going to be out. Yeah. I mean, look, the, 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 both and that teams. would be hard to believe. That would be hard to believe. I mean, the Rangers, the way they started, yeah. you know, it, it, but it's about finishing with the Rangers. It always seems to be that way, but it will, it will suck if they don't get there this year. Yeah. I mean, as of now, all three teams are in the playoffs, right? Sure. Like the, the Rangers still have the division lead, but the Astros and Mariners are holding down the second and third wild cards in the AL. But Toronto is, you know, only a game and a half back right. of those two teams right now. Boston's three and a half back. I, I don't think Boston is as legit of a threat as Toronto, okay. but it's going to be it's going to be those four teams, right? Like the Rangers, the Astros, the Mariners, and the Blue Jays. To me, fighting for three playoff spots. Whatever happened to that great League. pitching staff, uh, BK with the Rays? I mean, they started out the year just unbeatable. I mean, nobody could beat them. Their staff was fantastic. They just can't hit anymore. Yeah, I mean, they're still really good. They're still steady in a playoff spot, and they still have a chance to uh, overtake Baltimore. They need the, a rally. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're only two games back right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, their best pitcher, Shane McClanahan, got hurt. He's out for the season. That that was a huge loss for them. They've been able to still play some pretty good baseball as of late despite that. Uh, obviously, the Wander Franco deal where he's out, you know, doing a Michael Jackson impersonation apparently is uh is not ideal come on franco uh yeah that's a that's a bad bit for a million different reasons maybe r kelly would be a better comparison for wander franco either way uh disgusting and gross and hopefully the allegations are not true but he's obviously not a part of jail try to go time to go under the jail yeah exactly exactly but he's not a part of things right now so yeah look the rays like they they hit a lull midway through the season and they've yep. kind of bounced back. Like they're not as hot as they were at the start of the year. Like you said, they were on well, a nobody could pace. be. I mean, that was nobody could beat those guys. Yeah. So they're they're beatable now. But uh, no, they've they've been able to turn things around. They've been able to bounce back after a, a little bit of a rut that they were in right around the All Star break. And uh, they are playing some pretty good baseball once again. So they're they're still pretty safely in a playoff spot right now. Once you get two games back in the uh, American League East, so they could still catch Baltimore. They've got a shot to end up with the best record in the American League, which would be pretty impressive considering uh, some of the things that they've had to go through this year. All right, it is Bucky and BK live on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Before we get into some NFL conversation, because I do want to get your thoughts on the Jonathan Taylor situation going on in Indianapolis right now. I want to give some love to 7-11. How about that? Get your nachos, get your pizza, get your hot dogs, your taquitos, your Slurpees, your big newspaper, the newspaper. If you're like Buck and you're 180 years old, get your hard copy of the newspaper. They still have it at 7-Eleven. They've got everything you need to fuel your summer all throughout the state of Texas. Of course, they're all over Central Texas, but you can find them in the Metroplex. You can find them in Houston. You can find them in San Antonio. Go to 7-Eleven. And make sure you say what's up to our guy, Ashish. He's got three Austin area 7-Eleven locations. The one down south on Monterey Oaks, the one on Bee Caves, and the one on Lake Austin Boulevard as Love well. It. Spent a lot of money at those places. But Ashish is a big-time Longhorn fan, big-time Texas sports unfiltered fan too. Uh, he will take care of you whenever you go in there. So go to any 7-Eleven, get what you need to get you through the summer and also to get ready for football season as well. And also, 
Buck, how about a shout out to Relax the Back? You're in that I, comfortable RTB chair this morning. You know what? I'm feeling so fantastic. You know, yesterday I was full of vinegar and piss, and I was ready to go yesterday. And thanks to Relax the Back for sure. They embraced a holistic approach for a healthier lifestyle based in 35 years of expertise. Believe me, my back needed it. My back is happy. Their motto is live wellness. And right now, for folks, transform your routine and your life with a great share from Relax the Back. I've been doing it for over 20 years, and I can't feel even there's, – there's nothing that makes my back feel better than sitting in this chair for two hours talking to BK and relaxing in a Relax the Back chair. They've got two locations at the Hill Country Galleria across from Whole Foods and, of course, in Austin at the Gateway Shopping Center across from the Container Store. Thank you to Jason Caldwell and the folks over at Relax the Back. And once again, before the end of uh, this first semester, we'll be giving away two Relax the Back chairs. We're going to figure out a way to get them to teachers. Teachers need to have a nice relaxed back after dealing with those kids every mm. day. So two teachers or somebody that that's, was just a, a former teacher, maybe just retired, that needs some relaxation. We want to get that in the Austin area and the San Antonio area. Two nice relaxed back chairs. And we got to get BK in one because he can no longer do that beach chair thing, you yep. know, and moving around and wiggling around. Once you get in that relaxed back chair, you're just going to be just chilled out. I'll be relaxed. Have, huh? I'll be relaxed like you. you. Definitely. That's right. Live pain-free like the buck and relax the back. There you go. Yeah, and uh, look, we, our subscriber numbers are slowing down a little bit. I don't know what's going on with you people out there. We're trying to get the 5K so we can give you guys a bunch of free stuff. What's Let's the deal? Let's go. Y'all need to be spreading the word a little bit more. Come on now. We need you we need people. Those, what is that called? Algorithms? Algorithms. You like that? You like yeah. I came up with the old algorithms? We need that. Like the, the videos, subscribe to the channel, and share it. And feel feel free to spam uh, you know, some, some other places. Let them know what's going on with Texas Sports Unfiltered. You know, I, I've been blocked by some uh, former employer social media accounts, but I know some have of you? you out there have not really? been. So if you want to let the people know about uh, Texas Sports Unfiltered, people always ask us, hey, what can we do to support the channel? Well, spreading the word is the biggest thing, man. On Online and in person, that's uh, that's what's going to really take this thing to the top and help us get to 5,000 subs quicker, which means you guys are going to get to all these great prizes that we have in store a little bit quicker. Oh, so you've been banned at places huh i've gotten the oh x, i see really as brian x like uh, ricky williams gave trey elling i've got one of those myself well that's okay from from uh 1049 la raza that's not a sports station no, i thought it was not, a sports station no not anymore i tried oh, i tried listening yesterday to, to you know the the former employer to see what i would hear and you didn't hear any hurt. sports, huh? No, no, I didn't. Heard some some great beats, though, man. I got some good stuff over great there. Beats going on, I know. I'll tell you well, what. Okay. I will tell you what. Okay, before we get to this Colts deal, uh, our guy CB sent me this on Twitter, and I think I tagged you in this. What happened to you on Twitter, by the way? The buck on Twitter, is that done? Is that over? Is there a hurricane coming anytime soon? Remember last time I went, I went into hiding after that. I've hit them, and I hit them hard early. I just, you know, there will be something that will come up. Somebody okay. will antagonize me, and then I'll have to I'll have to fight back. I mean, Twitter's not just for antagonizing people, right? Twitter's to say nice things about people too. Yeah. But as my late great mother said, if you don't have anything nice to say about anybody, then don't say anything nice. 
<laughs> Nobody says anything nice on Twitter, Buck. That's it's all saying. antagonizing. 24-7, 365. That's okay. all it is, man. It's just people talking noise on the internet. That's how I'll it goes. Talk, I'll talk some noise about Notre Dame as as the midshipmen just handled them probably this weekend. How's that? I'll be back for the weekend then. Hey, CB did say it, by the way. Hurricane Harvey made landfall six years ago today. Wow. Remember that? August 25th, 20 and 17. That's so, the last time I was on Twitter before a couple of weeks ago. It was before you started talking about nut cheese. <laughs> yeah, I need another event. There will be an event here that's going to come soon. Plus, we've got, you know, we got to get ready next week. we got big things next week, my friend. Yes, we do. We have some big things are brewing because we've got to have some pregame football going on for the University of Texas. And we will. And we'll let you know where we will be here very, very soon. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. We've got a lot of things planned for the future of Texas Sports Unfiltered and some more additions coming to our lineup in the not-too-distant future, which uh, we're super excited about. Okay, i got to show you this picture that CB sent us on on Twitter, or X. Sorry. Who is that? You know who that is? That looks like Jeter. That's your guy, your captain. What happened to him? Botox. Botox? He's got a bunch of like, I don't even know what to call those things, but it's like stickers on his face. Oh, that's probably got poison ivy going in the woods with his little daughters, you know, looking for Easter eggs and doing, probably at his last Easter egg hunt. Probably got himself into some poison ivy and he's going to put some medication on there. Or he's going Botox, maybe. Easter egg hunt? Jeter doesn't need Botox. Look at Jeter back in his prime in his uni. Okay. Come on, folks. This is the captain. <laughs> this is the captain. Come on. That's not Botox, dude. That's bedazzle. That's what's going on with Jeet's face right there. And that's not Easter. He posted this yesterday. That's not Easter egg. That was months ago. This is him on some beach on vacation with all of his daughters putting that stuff on his face. That guy ain't coming back to the Yankees. Dude, he is loving it. That's loving life right there. That's what your daughters can do to you. That's what will happen to you when, if you're a younger brother or you're the dad, this is what little girls do to you. That's it. That's being a hashtag girl dad. This is when the change starts. This is how it starts. This is when the, when the, the change, nice, what do you mean? Like Bruce to Caitlin? This is, this is, <laughs> this is, hey dad, this is where it starts. Look at this deal. They bedazzle you with all of this junk. I've never been, I, my girls wouldn't have come near me. They were like horrified at me. So they, they never even thought of putting little sparkling things on this. But they got my younger son, my little adopted son. They dressed that dude up like a girl every chance they could get the two oh. daughters. Oh, yeah. Jeter's on his way. Look at him. God, Where's man. the tiara? Where's the tiara? That's always the start is the little tiara. That starts when the daughters get the son or the daughters get the dad on the beach. Sorry about that, Jeter. But you're still my captain. Don't you, ever want, forget you want that dude to come save your franchise? With that on his face. I want him in that Yankees uniform with that <laughs> on his face. Dude. That would be great. George Costanza has a better chance of saving the Yankees than Derek Jeter nowadays. I love those daughters when they get a hold of dad. God, look how old he looks, too. Does, uh, does having daughters age you that much, Buck? Oh, yeah. Especially God, if they start getting towards that teenage years. But they're little. They're like six, seven you know, I think he's got one even younger than that. But when they start to get to the teenage time, that's what you start to turn. That's what you start to look like that. 
Oh my God. He's got the little butterflies under his eyes and he's oh, looking like man. big chief. I want to get the F out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, come on, Jeter. There is your boy cheats right there. Thank you, CB. Appreciate okay. that. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Okay, let's uh, let's get into this Jonathan Taylor situation, Buck. You and I were talking a little bit before we started our show today about the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I did not watch their preseason game last night. You said you watched some of it. Yeah. Uh, first of all, before we get to Jonathan Taylor, what'd you make of Anthony Richardson? His third and final preseason game, of course, the number four overall pick out of Florida. The Colts have already named him as the starting quarterback for the regular season. Uh, what did you see from Anthony Richardson last night? I saw a guy that's got incredible potential. Here we go with that word, potential. I mean, he's such a big athletic guy. He can run. He, he ran the ball pretty well last night. He took off on a couple of big scrambles. His passing percentage is about 44, BK. He's still struggling in the passing game, but he threw some nice balls for first downs last night, threw in some tight windows. It's going to take time. This guy is not going to jump off the screen at you, except for he's going to have a bad passing percentage and throw a lot of picks early. Why they made him the star? Do they not have Gardner Minshew there? They do. I know it's about winning and you play to win the games. And I always think that it's nice to have a young guy in there. Might as well go ahead and get him experience as long as you don't get him hurt. Experience is different as long as he doesn't get hurt. Throwing picks, that's okay, but you're still going to learn from throwing those picks. Taking off and running and getting out of bounds was nice to see from him last night. You know, he had a run where he could have run for about another five yards and picked up a couple more yards, but he said, guess who's the quarterback? Me. I'm the franchise quarterback. I've got enough. I'll slide out sideways. And he did. And I was I was glad to see he's doing some things and not trying to lower his shoulder on guys. He had, he had one long run where the secondary guy decided, I don't want to hit this big 240. Instead, the secondary guy said, no, thanks. I'm not lowering my shoulder on a guy 245 pounds running this fast yeah. and got out of the way. So the kid just kind of stumbled and fell on air, which was uh, – uh, some of those guys are going to come up – well, he doesn't have to worry about it. It's the secondary guys in the NFL. They're not going to hit you any damn way. They're going to move out of your way as big as he is. But on that sideline, everybody likes to take that pop on a guy on the sideline. They want to take the big blow. But he was pretty smart last night getting out of bounds. But his passing percentage is real, real low throughout this preseason. But he's going to be a good one. But it's going to take three years. It won't be until about his third year. Wow. Where they really start winning some winning some game. And that's why I don't understand about Jonathan Taylor. They, they This guy, I know he stays hurt. I mean, he's been hurt. He stays hurt. He's looking for a lot of money. But when he's healthy and this offensive line, it's way overrated. I think people tend to think this is the Colts offensive line of three years ago. It's not. They're not as good. No. He's banged up. He's still got an ankle. He hasn't even done anything since that ankle injury. He's not run around at all. But I'm going to go ahead and pay him the money because I, I need to keep this franchise quarterback. I need I need to build for the future. The running back's not going to be the future. Jonathan Taylor's not going to be the future of the Colts. And some would say, like, you're probably going to say, well, get rid of him now and find a running yeah. back. Yeah, uh, get rid I'm of going him. To say, I'm going to say he's going to be still good enough to go through this season, get healthy and start this season until he gets hurt in game number three. But you gotta you got to have a guy that can at least scare the defense. Jonathan Taylor can at least do that with an average offensive line. It's not a great – this is not that that Colts line. We were, you know how we talked about them as being, oh, they're fantastic. Yeah, when he was running, you know, 2,000 yards or whatever, they were healthy at that time. This is an old group right now. They don't have that same punch. 
But if he's healthy enough, he can give you enough punch to take the pressure off the quarterback, I believe. He ain't playing there. He's not playing another snap in Indianapolis, Buck. It's over. And look, the best case scenario for the Colts would be Jonathan Taylor plays in Indy on his current contract. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to do that. Like he wants more money and the Colts don't want to pay him. They're in the middle of a rebuild. And look, I, I don't think really any running back should be getting big money second contracts now. Like uh, I'm a part of the movement. Running backs are replaceable. Okay. You can find talented running backs in the mid rounds of the NFL draft. You can find talented running backs in free agency. Like this, there's a surplus of those guys right now. And to the point where I'm not giving a running back 10 to $15 million a year on a three, four, five year contract. When I know that midway through that contract, he's going to be done and he's going to be showing a bunch of wear and tear. Like that's, that doesn't, to me, doesn't make any yeah, sense for anybody. It really him. doesn't make any him. sense for a rebuilding team, Buck. Yeah, like why, why would the Colts spend the money there? He's got wear and tear BK already. I mean, yeah, he's already he's, hurt. Like you said, he gets hurt every year. He's, it's not going to get better as he gets older, is it? No, it's it's not. But if he can if he can give them a good solid year this year, I mean that's going to cost you a lot of money. But if he can give them a solid year, because the real franchise is the guy playing quarterback. I think he he needs to have he doesn't need to have just anybody running the football for him this year. They need to be able to to take some pressure off of him, let him grow, and let him learn from his mistakes, which he's going to have a if he's throwing forty four percent in preseason. Look out. Look out in the regular season because yeah, this is not including a bunch of interceptions that he's probably going to throw, but he does have some real, real ability. I mean, his potential is really, really high. When you see him take off, I mean, he's got the same. His head coach is the same guy who, who had the quarterback in uh, Philadelphia. I mean, so yep, he knows how to coach a running quarterback, a big quarterback, can do some special things in in, in the pass game and in the run game, and I think that's what. I think that's what we're going to see from this guy. He's going to be like Jalen Hurts. He's going to be able to have the ability to take off and run with the ball and be a real live runner. And so it'll maybe it'll take maybe it's the other way around. Maybe this guy is the guy who takes pressure off the running game by running well, himself. But that's not what you want for your franchise quarterback. You're not paying that guy that kind of money and taking a guy in the first round or the fourth pick as your primary running back. No. That's not what that's about. It's about throwing the ball down the field. Of course. Yeah. Look, Anthony Richardson is a supreme talent and you used the potential word earlier. He's got more potential than any other quarterback in this class, maybe more potential than any other player in this 2023 draft class. Like the dude, the combination of size and arm strength and speed that he possesses. I mean, this guy is an athletic freak. And if he's able to put it all together and get the mechanics down and just become a little bit more polished, a lot more polished as a passer, then he's got a chance to be, a great quarterback in this league for years and so years. So talk Jonathan Taylor into Stan. To come. Talk but, him into it. I know you're saying no. that dude doesn't want any part of it. No. He wants to get paid. Yeah, he wants to get paid, and the Colts shouldn't pay him. And he's going to get traded, I think, between now and the start of the season. Uh, the Dolphins are actually the Vegas favorite to trade for Jonathan Taylor. And and Taylor makes more sense for them than he does for Indy, right? Like, oh, yeah, the Dolphins, but, they're, they're, yeah. they're a contender. The Dolphins want to make right. the playoffs. They want to compete for a Super Bowl this year. And if Tua is healthy, well, they were a playoff team despite Tua missing time last year. So if Tua could stay healthy. And Jonathan is. Taylor can and give you his six games a year and then be banged <laughs> up with an ankle injury, you'll be fine by then. You're right. Yeah, so like that, that makes more sense than Indianapolis. Now I see Tampa Bay 
on this list of uh, odds. I think they've got the second best odds to trade for Jonathan Taylor. Like that to me doesn't make any sense because the Bucs might be the worst team. Waiting to happen with that offensive line. Well, yeah, they're the worst team in football. Like, why would you trade for? Why would you trade assets and then give a bunch of money to a running back when you're trying to rebuild? Like that, that, that to me makes absolutely no sense. That's, that's where I'm at with Indianapolis. Like if their quarterback is three years away, like you're saying, yeah. Buck and Richardson's very raw, like it's, it, it's probably going to take him some time to get close to what he could be in this league. If he is three years away, then, I mean, Jonathan Taylor at that point is going to be what? 28, 29. He'll be done, He'll be done anyway. Yeah. So why are you, why are you paying a running back a lot of money while your quarterback sucks, so you're going to have no chance to be competitive as a team. Why are you giving your running back a lot of money when you could be just getting other foundational pieces to try to build around your quarterback? And, and I think you're more. right, BK. I, it, it's more like for Jonathan Taylor, it's more like if anything he can get is a two-year deal because in two years he'll probably be done the way his, his lower body is and the way these ankle injuries and these high ankle springs just keep coming up. Can't give him a three-year contract. He's not going to be around in three years. He's really going to be an afterthought in three years. He's yeah. going to be Zeke Elliott in three. Zeke Elliott will be better in three years probably uh, than Jonathan Taylor. The way I mean, you just can't consistently have bad ankles as a running back. That's that's not a good recipe for a good running back. You know, Zeke's got to stop doing this off the field. Guys looking yeah. big. He's yeah. Well, that's all right for New England because all they do is run straight ahead. They're not expecting you to miss and make anybody miss. They've got the guy from Oklahoma to. Who's he's probably thinking they really brought that guy in there. He's probably in camp right now going, that guy really was uh, one of the leaders in rushing right there. That guy, Zeke Elliott. Mm-hmm. He yeah. looks old. He, yeah, he, he does look old and his play looked old last year for sure. Uh, I'm here, saying Jonathan Taylor, a two-year contract somehow, BK. Now nah, he's, 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 he's going to want more than that. I can't give him more than two. He's done football-wise in three. Three is – you can't. That's not even the limit. Two is the limit. I'm limiting him to just two. Yeah. Whoever trades for him is going to end up giving him, I think, a three-year deal. Oh. Here are your top five Vegas odds. You tell me which of these teams makes the most sense for uh, Jonathan Taylor's next team. Mention the Dolphins plus one twenty, Tampa Bay plus three fifty, Buffalo plus four fifty, the Minnesota Vikings plus eight hundred, the Saints at plus nine hundred, and then I'll give you one more. The Cowboys, plus 1,500. Any of those teams make sense for JT? I mean, the Cowboys have enough problems with guys getting hurt, but they could use a thumper. If they want to come downhill and run the football, if that guy can stay healthy, wouldn't you like to have that guy with that offensive line? Dude, I would lose my effing mind if the Cowboys trade assets for a running back and then give another running back a long-term contract. Like, do they not learn from Zeke? You're just comparing Zeke to Jonathan Taylor. Do they not learn from the Zeke contract being one of the worst in sports over the last couple of years? They're going to do that again? Two years. That's all I'm giving up. I'm not giving this guy a three-year deal. Well, he's not he's he's not a free agent, Buck. He's under contract for another year. So two year deal is two on top of what he's already puts got. Him 20, puts him at 28, 29. Yeah. I don't no, want the Cowboys having any part of that, dude. No twenty nine, no twenty nine and thirty year old running backs. No. no. That don't have the name of Henry at the end. No, you can't have that. You can't have that. What about Buffalo, man? Buffalo to me is intriguing. Like their uh, their run game has been inconsistent over the last few years. Too cold. Um, they're obviously a contender. Too cold. Uh, 
You don't yeah, think Chad so? Angle's too cold. <laughs> oh, so they're not going to trade for him because they're worried he's going to get hurt even more? No. That slippery, nasty-ass Buffalo, and you got bad ankles? No. Mm. Those arthritic ankles in, in a year? No, thank you. So you're going, you're going Miami then? You think Miami. they make the most sense? Miami, Tampa Bay maybe, but Tampa Bay has too many other things to worry about than a running back. Yeah, they suck. They 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 got Baker Mayfield as their quarterback, dude. He's, gonna be, he's their starter. Yeah, he is their starter. And they got Todd Bowles as their head coach. Like that, that's awful. That's that'll be the end of that this year, too. Yeah, just shows how good Tom Brady was, right? That guy leaves and literally everything goes to you know what. Well, they still have a, a decent wide receiver core if they don't get banged up either. They'll be okay. But that, that yeah, their running game has been just Terrible. Their offense, offensive line has been terrible, and their quarterback since Brady left has been awful. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. We don't have that problem in Pittsburgh. You know, I've never been a Pittsburgh fan, but the little hands, man, come on. That's you're claiming the Steelers, right? All of the no. times over the course of your life that never. you could have claimed being a Steelers fan. You know, the six Super Bowls they have. No, you know, it's with Bradshaw, with Big Ben. I stay out of the bathroom. Former with, Boston College backup Mike Kruzak there behind uh, Terry Bradshaw. No, yeah, no, nobody cares about that guy. Uh, you you had all of these years to be a Steelers fan, and you're not backing those guys, but you're backing Tiny Hands Pickett, <laughs> the little man's hand. Yeah, <laughs> that little hand. Hey, he's the one who gives that little handshake. He should be on the Monday Night Broadcast. That should be Pickett. That should have been him giving that handshake. Come on, man. That, that handshake, is that what you're talking about? Why is Joe Buck sticking his hand out there? Quit being, stop it with the, all the hand gestures. Come on. He's a, he's a pantomimer. I do it too from time wow. to time, man. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you should know better. He already shook your hand once. All right. The conversation's not over. There's not a handshake randomly. Joe Buck, dope of the week. <laughs> oh, even, people to shake your hands no way that's josh harris the dope of the week although that guy yeah. makes it a lot of money i don't know if he's ever truly a dope two-year uh, deal bk i'll take jonathan okay back, I'm back with the Colts. help this young quarterback out stay healthy one stay healthy for a year and a half like he's not going to give you a full season jonathan no. Taylor has had like one full season i believe in the nfl the rest of them have been bumps and bruises I mean, that's a hard position to make it through all the games. But that guy, when he gets hurt, he's out for six games. Yeah. And the rest of the season, he still doesn't get back to being healthy. You know what I mean? He just stays banged up during the course of the season. He'll play, but he just stays banged up. This quarterback, I think, is too valuable. And it, it is going to take two or three years for him. And you're right. He needs a healthy runner. He doesn't need some guy that's in the, in the, in the hot tub, in the, in the ice tub, half the season. He really doesn't. He needs a guy that's going to be dependable. Not many, there's not many running backs out there. And please don't give me the seventh-round guy from Rutgers for <laughs> once-in-a-million deal that everybody comes up with. All sports guys come up. Oh, you can find a guy. Wait a minute. Look at Kansas City. They found a guy in the seventh round. That dude is not a seventh-round pick. That's a second-round running back that just so happened to play at Rutgers, and that's the only reason why he got picked in the seventh round because he was at – he played for the Scarlet Knights. If it had yeah. been any place else, the guy would have been – drafted at the end of the first or the second round that's how talented he is yeah fine you can't find them all in the seventh round no it's a bunch of crap 
No, but uh, look, it, it helps when you have Mahomes, obviously, for Kansas City. And they could put you or me at running back, and they'd still yeah. have a chance to uh, to win a Super Bowl or at least compete for a Super Bowl. But there are plenty of examples of maybe not seventh-round running backs, but you third know, rounds. third, third, fourth, fifth-round running backs who have had a lot of success in this league. Hell, there are other undrafted guys. Look at a guy sure. like Austin Eckler out there with the Chargers. Like He's turned into one of the better weapons in the NFL. That guy was an undrafted player out of school. So it's uh man, it, you know, you'll, you'll still see so like Bijan was a top 10 pick a couple of months ago. Like there are certain guys who are that talented to where, okay, you feel like they're worthy of a first round pick, but also just as more and more teams seem to be able to find good running backs off the scrap heap, it's going to be tougher and tougher for running backs to get those second contracts. We already saw it this off season and next off season, Buck, I mean, some of the best running backs in football, are going to be free agents like next off season. If you thought this off season was kind of crazy in the running back market, it was, don't get me wrong, but next off season, you've got some of the best running backs in the league who are going to be free agents. Like Derek Henry is going to be a free agent. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to be a free agent. Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, I'm pulling up a list right here. Saquon Barkley, Dalvin cook. I mean, all of those dudes are going to be free agents next off season. So if none of those guys get deals, then I don't know what the hell the future holds for the running back spot. Yeah, well, just warm up Rutgers so you can start getting some picks from Rutgers, some seventh-round picks again, and watching them turn into superstars. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. Uh, you know, watch Rutgers football this year. Oh, Is yeah. that what you're watch telling Rutgers us to do? So you can go get a, get a guy in the sixth or seventh round that turns into a superstar. That's not going to happen. That happened, no. that happened, but that's not happening for another 25 years at Rutgers for sure. Oh, maybe you'll pick up one from the Terps at Maryland. Maybe one one will come out from the Terps. Yes, the two best Big Ten schools, Rutgers and Maryland. How do they uh, ever get the Big Ten anyway? I don't know. I don't know. All yeah, right, we're in the NCC. Yeah, it's a mess. There's more realignment news we can get into a little bit later. But uh, before we do that, got to give some love to our friends at Altstat. Beer, the Altstadt Brewery. If you're looking for something to do this weekend, hey, the last weekend without uh, Texas football for a while. I know we've got some college football, but come on, it really starts next weekend. If you're looking for something fun to do this weekend, have it a trip down to the Altstadt Brewery in Fredericksburg, right in the heart of the beautiful Central Texas Hill Country. It's the perfect day trip for the beer drinkers in your life. You'll get plenty of great samples of Altstadt. You'll of course get to see how it's made. They've got a German style restaurant. They've got live music. They've got plenty of indoor space as well. You're not going to be stuck outside the entire time you're there. This place is massive. I'm telling you so much to do for all of your beer drinking friends and family. They've got you covered. And of course, check out Altstadt Beer. Uh, Get your weekend started right with Altstadt Beer. My fridge is stocked with it, ready for football season. Hopefully yours is as well. It is Altstadt Beer. No impurities, no regrets. Exciting. Exciting, the folks at Altstadt. So I said the other day, I was out that way. That place is awesome. Yeah, it is. It is beautiful, isn't it? And it's it huge. Certainly is. Hey, can I show you something that happened to me? So I was on our show yesterday, but I was broadcasting from my parents' place in Galveston. And I missed the midday show. You know, Kevin did a great job filling in with Trey. If you missed that, check out the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you go to get your podcast. Um, but I had a luncheon with the Texas X's Galveston chapter nice. yesterday. 
which was a lot of fun. And shout out to uh, everybody who showed up there. We had a great time. You were able to get in the building. No porta potty for you. You were able to get into the building. Yeah, at a restaurant. Nick's Nick's, uh, down in Galveston. Great spot. Uh, Had a lot of fun. Once again, shout out to everybody who showed up. Shout out to Galveston in general, man. So anyways, I was down there yesterday. And after the luncheon was over, I made the trek back up here to Austin. And something happened to me on my drive home yesterday, Buck. Let me pull up a picture of what went down. If I can find it, can I find it? I thought I had this ready to go. Here we go. I got pulled over in Belleville, Texas by the Austin County Sheriff's Department. And thankfully, I got off with a warning. Fundraiser, huh? They have another fundraiser? I got pulled over. You want to take a guess why I got stopped by the cops in Little Belleville yesterday? Being on your cell phone while driving? No, I was doing a lot of that, though. But no, that wasn't it. It wasn't speeding. Wasn't speeding. No, there was a little bit of traffic, unfortunately, on the drive back. All right, tell me. What was it? I don't have a front license plate on my car. And he pulled me over for that. Those dadgum neighborhood kids. It's up <laughs> on their wall in their room somewhere. <laughs> Dude, I, I've been driving, so I'm 29 now, right? I've had my license since I was 16. I've never had a front license plate on any car that I've ever driven. Not one time. And I didn't even know that was a rule. Like, I didn't know that was a thing that you had to have a front license plate. Like, I've got a back license plate. I've always yes, had one of those. We know that, yeah. I've never had a front plate, and I've never gotten stopped, questioned, anything like that. So the guy pulls me over, and I'm like, you yeah, know, what's what's going on? What did I do? And he's like, I pulled you over today because you don't have a front license plate. I'm like, okay. I've never and, had one. Yeah, like, I'm like, what else? It, did I actually do anything wrong? You know, I thought you guys were supposed to be fighting crime here. Did I like? <laughs> did, I, did I do something? And look, I'm a fan of the cops. Believe me, like, don't don't get me wrong. I, I support what they do, but like, come on, like, this is why I'm getting pulled over for not having a front plate. And he's like, Yeah, man, no, we we pull people over for this all the time. It's a state law, and it's been a state law since like the 1930s. And I'm like, Dude, I I had no idea. I didn't know this was an actual thing. And he's like, License and registration. I'm like. Shit, I'm about to get a ticket for this. Are you kidding Give me? me? A warning. Come on, man. Like, I'm, that's like that's this guy, that. and he's he's back in his cruiser for like 20 minutes. Just You're trying to get home. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, shoot, what's on my record? You know, hold on. What did I do wrong? What's out there? Because I hadn't been pulled over in a while. And I'm like, oh man. And I see him come back with a piece of paper in his hand, and I'm like, ah, this this is I'm really about to get a ticket. And the guy told me it's like a two hundred dollar ticket for not having a front plate. I'm like, really? This is about to happen today? And thankfully, the dude's like, oh, I'm in a good mood today. I'll let you off with the warning. I'm well, like, wow, what a, what a saint you are. Thanks, yeah, guy. Thanks for being in a good mood there, guy. Oh, my God. And he's asking me these questions like, oh, because you, you see the Galveston, obviously, uh, scratched out my, my parents' address. But I do have my parents' address as my driver's license address. So he's like, oh, you still live in Galveston? What, you're going back up to Austin for school? And I'm like, yes. I told him I was a student at the University of Texas, which was dumb as hell because my license shows that I'm 29, which I guess doesn't necessarily mean that I can't be a student at UT. But I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going back to school. I'm a student. You know, please let me go so I can focus on my academics so I can get a good education. 
I basically gave him that spiel. And maybe that was why he was willing to let me off with the warning. But there you go. Sometimes you have to tell a little lie. Sometimes it, ha- it, it goes a long way. A warning, $200? 200 bucks. Aren't, aren't they supposed to be after – shouldn't they be after criminals? Right. You know, like they're, they're supposed to keep people safe on the roads. I don't, I don't think me not having a front license plate was putting anybody else in harm's way. You know, I, I get speeding tickets, believe me. If uh, your headlights are out, I get tickets for that. Like, uh, you don't stop at a stop sign, you run a red light, all, all of that stuff. I totally understand it. You get you know, the ticket for the meth, you understand all that, right? Well, uh, you know, the drugs drugs are fine. I don't, I don't quite <laughs> understand why we're cracking down on those too much. But <laughs> oh my god, front license plate? Are you kidding me? And this, you know, small town, like... That. I mean, I, I took uh, I was on 36 Highway 36, just a small state highway. If you've ever made the drive from Houston to Austin, uh, goes through Rosenberg. Like if, if you're trying to avoid traffic, that's a little side route that you can take. Oh, so that's, that's Officer was. Jack Wagon. That's yeah, Officer Jack C. Wagon. Yes, was the guy who uh, who pulled me over. So very uh, fortunate. Yeah, look, I, I I'm lucky. I, I guess I'm lucky. I only got uh, a warning instead of an actual ticket because that would have, shoot, I would have fought the hell out of that thing. Not sure how I would have won because I clearly did not and don't have a front license plate uh, on my car. But uh, um, neighborhood kids, man, they get them all the time. Yep. Shout out to Belleville, Texas, and the Austin County Sheriff's Office. Austin County, of course, has nothing to do with the city of Austin, but that's where I got uh, got yesterday. And you know what I'm going to do now, Buck? I'm still not going to put a license plate on the front of my car. You're going to see if it can happen. Can it truly happen twice? That's what yeah. you want to find out. Yeah. I'm just not going to drive through little <laughs> Belleville, Texas anymore. Nobody in a big city gives a damn about that, right? It's all the small police departments. The one ticket I got was in Italy, Texas. So the only ticket I've ever gotten in my life. And this is the only other time I've gotten, ah, not the, I've gotten pulled over a couple of other times, but this is the most recent time I've gotten pulled over. And it's a, a small Small town deal. So the small towns are all about trying to give people tickets and make some money. I don't get speeding tickets that much. I, I, you know, my last couple speeding tickets happened to be on Highway 10 going to Big Ben, where it says you can go 80, but Buck felt it was necessary to go 110. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they didn't let you do that, huh? No, well, no, they got, I got off with two warnings. I didn't get pulled, I got pulled over twice and I got two warnings and by, by the end of the conversation, the, the, the young officer was calling me coach. said, coach, can you slow down a little bit? Wow. I said, I got you. Was it two, two stops on the same trip or were these different trips? Two different trips going out to Big Ben and both going out to Big Ben, not coming back where I was on like cruise control, taking my time to get back. I just felt it was necessary that I had to get out there in a hurry. And one, I was going 110. Wow. And dude, look, dude just looked at me like it was, my, it was for my uh, 50th birthday. When I went to Big Ben and I told the guy the story, I'm going to Big Ben. I went, you know, I've heard about it, went out and he said, you know, then I told him, you know, he saw the ring, which I have always put the ring out the window. When the officer starts to come, I kind of tapped the ring on the side, the Texas championship ring on the side of the car. Oh, and he walks up to your car. Yeah. And it's, you know, he comes out of the car and I'm just like tapping it. He sees the ring. And once you get him at small talk, then you got him. You get him in small talk, talking football, talking about coaching, you know, getting Ricky Williams in there. Then things start to even out. But the second yeah. time, the second time the dude had 
his pastor in the in the car with him. And his pastor was an Aggie. And he told the officer to go back and say, tell coach to give you the hookums, to give you the gigum sign, and you'll let him go. And I told the cop, I said, I'll go to jail for a month before I give you the gigum sign. You go tell their pastor back there, go gig this. No way. I did. And he went back and the dude just let me go. He got a kick out of that. I said, I'm not doing a gig. I said, I'll go to jail for a month right now before I let that happen to me. You're flirting with disaster right there. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't just throw me in jail. That's well done, though. Respect to you for for doing that. Not giving it up? Not giving up the gigum? No. No. I I would have been, hey, go. (laughs) Hey, guy. <laughs> You're so swaying back and forth, oh. your arm around the office. <laughs> dude, to, to stay out of jail, I would have put on the milkman outfit, dude. <laughs> oh my god! I'm no. not going to jail, man. Well, you I'm, kidding I'm me? Glad, I'm glad you didn't get that ticket, man. That would have been awful. That yeah, that would have sucked. That would have been a crappy end to a very fun trip down there to uh, to Galveston, right there. Did you give the alum something to talk talk about, though? Did you yeah, pump, pump them up. I need a ring like you have, man. I don't have the stories to uh, to get off the hook like you do. You know, gotta have, they gotta have the ring just for a little tapping on the side. They see small small talk gets to them. They don't. It's not like if you just look at them and roll your eyes and start giving them those looks like you're actually going to come out of the car and then get shot by the cop. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You just yeah. stay right there, just banging a little bit. They'll start asking questions about. Oh, did you play there? Did you do that? Small talk goes a long way with officers. They like small talk. Texas, a Texas ring is a big deal, right? Like part of me wants to ask for your Lake Travis ring, but I don't know if that's no. going to help me in Belleville, Texas. You that know, it looks too much like a Super Bowl ring because then you have to really lie and you don't yeah. want to do that. I played wanna, on that wanna, team. Huh? Uh, I played on that team. Yeah. You don't want, you don't want to get caught in a lie with the cops when they're about, when they're in a good mood and they're smiling and they want to give you a warning. You don't yeah. want to turn that against you. No. You want to have an old ring. I'll give you one of those old Boston college rings that never went to a bowl game with that just has some little emblem in it, and you what can is, tap on that. What is that ring for? Just for coaching for a team that had a winning – Yeah, winning record team. <laughs> you were a win, You had a winning record. <laughs> they were giving out rings for the coaching staff because you had a winning record? Wow. Oh, my God. That is the saddest thing I've ever heard. I never went to a bowl – game as a player at Boston College never made it to a bowl game Mm. as a coach I went to every year I went to one every year at Illinois and every year at Texas yeah you've got cool stories like you coached Ricky Williams my my cool Texas story is I got to watch Nick Rose miss an extra point against Cal on Gerard Hurd's record-breaking nights That's, (laughs) (laughs) that's the best story that I could tell about my time at the University of Texas goodness gracious man Gotta have stories. Gotta have stories for the officers when they come. Yes, you do. Yeah, for me, for me, it's just like I got water in my car. I'll just pour it on my crotch and say that's why I was speeding. I had to piss. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in such a hurry. I couldn't make it, man. Like that's that's what guys like me without championship rings have to do. Guys like you say to the officer, "Hey, aren't there some bad guys you need to go after? That won't go well." No, yeah. Aren't there guys actually committing crimes out there? Yeah. Officer Jack C. Wagon. No, that won't go. They won't <laughs> they won't buy that one at all. Oh man. All right. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Shout out, I guess, to Austin County Sheriff's Office for letting me go yesterday uh for the heinous crime that I was uh clearly, Not clearly. Having a front license plate. 
committing. Oh, Are there numbers man. on that license plate? I've never looked at mine. Yeah, it's the, same, it's the same. It's the same as the same as the back. Mm-hmm. What the hell do you need two for? I just, I you know, when I got my car, I bought it used, but obviously had to get separate plates. And I guess I just like I've never put it on. I mean, I'm sure I got a front and back license plate. Put the back one on. Look underneath the, the back seat; on. it's probably right there. Yeah, I bet it is. I bet it's in my trunk or somewhere. I, I don't even know where it is, but I'm sure <laughs> I have it. But once again, like I, I've been driving for 13 years now and like had a number of different cars. And I don't think one of them has ever had a front plate and I've never gotten pulled over for it. But uh, I digress. All right. Before we get back into some Longhorn football, because I do want to ask about your biggest concern with this Texas football team, Buck, as we sit uh, eight days away from the start of the season. I do want to give some love to our friends at SyntexTickets.com. Hey, speaking of the start of the season, if you need tickets to go to any game this season, SyntexTickets.com. They've got you covered. Longhorns, Aggies, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU, whoever you root for, doesn't matter. They've got you covered. NFL tickets, Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, F1. Coming to Austin in a couple of months. You can get tickets 100% guaranteed, 100% online at SyntexTickets.com. Our guy Shelby, he will take yes. care of you. All those wonderful things happen at the Moody Center. Yes. All those great concerts coming to the Moody Center. Get a, Be a part of that with our guys over at Syntex Tickets for sure. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Buck, so no Texas football this weekend. Of course, we've got college football tomorrow, uh, seven games. We talked about some of them a little bit earlier. We can maybe talk about some of them towards the end of this hour, but let's focus on the Longhorns right now, uh, eight days away from kickoff. The biggest concern that you have with this Texas team as we sit a week and a day from kickoff. Well, can they run the football? Can they run the ball consistently right now? Will there be some consistency in running the football without Bijan and Roshan? Will they have a will they have enough that they've gotten a little bit better in the double teams with that offensive line? Are they stronger? Are they more physical in the run game? Uh, and will they run the ball? Will they will will Sark say, you know what? We have to be able to run this football. We want to control the line of scrimmage, but we don't have to con- we we don't have to pass the ball every down we still can run the ball effectively without a guy like B. John robinson and we got to find that out early i believe because that's my that's my concern about this team on the offensive end throwing the ball i don't have any concerns that quentin yours is not going to do the things that we've talked about you know set his feet be be really responsible in his technique and throwing the football he's got a number of wide receivers but technique wise are these guys better in year number two this young offensive line in running the football. They don't have a bunch of guys that are going to make you miss in the backfield that can make a guy miss if you miss a block. They're going to, they're going to have a lot of minus yardage if they don't block guys. And will they be able to run on a consistent basis? That's that's what I'm more concerned with than anything uh, with this offense for sure. And this yeah, football I team. I don't think I'm as concerned as you are with that, but I totally understand your concern, right? Like this O-line was very good last year. Yeah. Significantly better than like any year in the previous decade. But – Bijan Robinson made the O-line look better than it probably was. Roshan Johnson did the same. Like like you talked about, those guys had the ability to make somebody miss every time they got the football. And it felt like Bijan was making a couple of guys miss At every times, time yeah. he got the football. And, and there were obviously plays where, you know, the O-line got beat off the snap and there was somebody in the backfield. It should have been a loss of a couple. Instead, Bijan breaks a tackle, makes somebody miss, and he turns it into a four or five-yard gain. Right. Like I, I think Jonathan Brooks – has some of that ability. I think C.J. Baxter has some of that ability, and down the road he could have more of that ability. But those guys aren't Bijan. 
Like th- those guys no. aren't top 10 picks in the NFL draft, right? Like no. Bijan's been the most explosive player in the country over the last couple of years. So that's, that's a concern, right? Like I expect the offensive line to be even better this year than it was last year. I do. Which also, is great. Yeah. But yeah, you don't have like almost like a get out of jail free card, right? Like if you screw up, Bijan was the guy who could bail you out of any situation. You don't have that. You're no, still you're going to have a loss. You're going to have a loss in yep. yardage if that happens this year. So your technique and, and your strength is going to have to be a little bit different than it was last year with, with those guys. And I mean, I like Jonathan Brooks a lot. I, I, I like his ability out, out in the open field and making things happen. I don't know enough about him between the tackles if an unblocked guy comes, if an unblocked guy is there, is he going to make that guy miss? Or are we going to have a collision for a mm-hmm. half yard gain? Maybe, you know, that's, that's the thing that I worry about. Or are these guys just going to be a little bit more powerful in their second year? And when they double team a guy, that guy goes back into the secondary somewhere where running back can really get downhill, get to the next level and make things happen. You know, get to that linebacker level, man. I'm, I'm expecting that they will. I mean, that's just that maturation Sure. Of these big guys are just a, another year stronger and another year of being together. It should be that way. And by the time they get to rolling into the SEC, BK, they'll be near their third year. They should be able to run the ball against anybody. They should find a runner and they should be able to run, play action, pass. But I think we'll see a lot of that this year. I think we'll see more play action pass than we did last year instead of just drop back. Because this offensive line was really, really good in the drop back pass game. They, they were. And it, Drop back pass game, play action fake because you had to stop a little bit if you play action fake to beat B. John Robinson. You couldn't just balls to the wall, you know. You had to drop back because that guy come out of the backfield on a fake, get into your secondary and catch passes for touchdowns. But now this defense can just kind of tee it up and say, let's let's just get after this run game. We'll get them to the point where they won't run the ball. And like you say, even you, third and threes, you're going, eh, I don't know about running the ball third and three with these guys at running back. The other guy would make a guy miss and get you three yards. Can these guys do that if a guy's unblocked? You worry yeah. about those type of things. All great so questions. Our, our, our third down is going to be always passing get, passing downs. Can they do it in the run game? We'll see. Yep, we will I see. Worry about, but I worry about that. Yeah, and look, I looked up uh, the Texas-Alabama game stats just a second ago. And Texas, I mean, I, I remembered them not being able to run the ball very effectively against the Crimson Tide. And it was right. I mean, only 79 yards rushing on 33 carries. So it was uh, it was a struggle for the Longhorns on the ground in that game. And obviously, once Ewers went down with injury, you were hoping the uh, run game would step up and be a little bit more consistent. But obviously, going up against that Bama defense, it was a little bit of a struggle. It was only game two for Kelvin Banks, who did play really well in that game, but only game yeah. two of the season. So the O-line didn't have the cohesion in chemistry that they obviously built over the course of the year. And you, you would think because, well, you've got all five starters back. I know they're going to make a change at right guard, but uh, everybody who is on that offensive line was a part of the program a year ago. Uh, you feel like that group should have that chemistry early this season, and hopefully they can be more effective running in yeah. Tuscaloosa against Nick Saban and company. Well, you 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 go into certain games in the run game. It depends on what a game is. I mean, even with guys like Ricky Williams and Priest Holmes, we had games where we play, you know, against the Sooners, and we would come in as a group and talk about. We need total, we need 125, 130 yards total. And guys will look at me and go, wait a minute. You mean I'm not going to get 100 yards against them? And I'm like, let's do this as a group. We're trying, there's certain numbers we want to put up. We want to put up 140 yards total. And whether you got 80, I mean, sometimes 80-yard game is a big deal. 
for a rusher. You know, a 90-yard game is a big deal, depending on who you're playing against. Yep. You know, I, yep. like I last agree. year, they couldn't run it against TCU. If, if they would have had a, run, a rusher that went for 90 yards, 95 yards, I pre- I'm pretty sure they'd have been pretty happy. That means they would have tried to run the ball. They couldn't run it against them. And then yeah. you give up in the run. So sometimes it's the total that you're looking for. It's not individual. Well, can that guy get this many yards? Sometimes for that individual, if that guy gets a 70-yard game against somebody like TCU or, or Oklahoma, you're happy. You're probably going to win the game because you expect your pass game to be – that your, your pass game is going to be what it is. It's going to be what it's about. This yeah. team is not – this group is not having games where they rush for 260 yards. They don't have this type of runners. Uh-huh. I hope they do, right? Like, well, I don't, I don't I do think too. it's going to be consistent, but I hope they have a couple of 200-plus yard rushing games this season. Well, that would be nice, but they're not they're not putting up Bijan numbers where they get games of 260, 255. I mean, if you get 220 in a game, you'll be damn happy with that, you know? If you have a 200-yard rushing game and your passing game is going, you're probably going to win the game. They averaged 209 rushing yards per game in Big 12 play last year. I don't think they'll be at that number this year, but I hope no. it's not some sort of tremendous drop-off, right? Like no, they, you're hoping it's not 130. Right, yeah, they need to be like 180 or something for uh, for this because the passing game is going to step up. It's going to be better, and it can compensate for maybe a little bit of a uh, step back with the run game. But, yeah, look, you're not going to have – I mean, Bijan ran for over 1,600 yards last year. Yes. Like, you're not going to have anybody run for over 1,600 yards. But, obviously, by committee, you're going to run for way more than 1,600 yards as a team. Like Texas ran for nearly 2,500 last year. Right. I don't think they'll get there, but they're, they're going to get to 2,000 yards as a team, you would think, and you would hope. So it's just not going to be one guy. And I know Rojo, I don't want to leave him out. He obviously was a big, big factor in this offense, but you're not going to have that just one dude. Like, oh, no. you need a couple of yards. We're running the football. We're handing it to everybody can know it's going to him. It doesn't matter. He's still going to find a way to pick up those yards that we need at Texas. As of right now, maybe C.J. Baxter is that dude by conference player by the end of the year. Maybe Jonathan Brooks is that dude by conference player by the end of the year. But right now, yeah, you just don't have confidence that uh, you has got your, that guy. But you can't spend your time doing You can't beat your head against the wall if it's not working. Yeah. If you have to pass for – if you have to have a game of 375, 400 yards of passing, go ahead and just throw it. Okay. Go ahead and do what you have to, but you shouldn't. I mean, against a team like Rice in game number one, you you got to be close to 300 yards rushing against Rice. Yeah. You just have to. If, if you can't rush for 300 yards against Rice, then you're going to have a problem for the remainder of the season against everybody. If you can't saddle it up with that offensive line in their second year and get close to 300 yards rushing or at least in the, the high 200s, you're going to have a problem, especially if you're getting the, the, the amount of attempts that you're trying. If you're trying to establish your run game and you can't establish your run game against Rice, long year coming up. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. You've got to dominate the trenches against Rice because if you can't do that, yeah, it's a scary thought when you're going but, up but against that is my, my That is my main worry. My main worry okay. offensively there, my main worry on the defense is will teams be able to get out on the perimeter, perimeter when they want to against Texas in the run game? You know, it's stop the run and be able to run the ball for me. That's always going to be the keys for me. And I can talk about quarterback consistency, but it's always – Run the football and stop the run. Can this group stop the run on third down and four where a team doesn't say, let's get the, let's just go ahead and get the perimeter, get to the outside. Now they did a great job of tackling last year and having fits to, to, to help out guys coming out of the secondary guys playing safety, doing a great job. Cornerbacks tackled all right. All right. 
But the fact that teams got to the perimeter on them on some third down plays, and it wasn't just third and three and twos. They got to them on third and sixes and sevens, and they got there and got first downs in the run game. You yep. can't have that happen to you. Yeah, that was annoying. Out there. Yeah, it was very annoying to watch. Look, I'm 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 kind of with you on that. I mean, my biggest concern, I guess it has to do with what you're talking about, but it's just the edge position in general. Yeah, yes. Right. Like I, I like Baron Sorrell did some good things last year, but you know, five and a half sacks. Like I, I don't know if Texas has a double digit sack guy on this roster. I think Colin Simmons, when he gets on campus next year, could be that type of dude. But like Texas just needs more consistent edge play. And that obviously impacts the run game, right? You talk about setting the edge on defense, right. making sure guys can't get around you. Okay, well, the edge positions are very important to that. But for me, it's more so just getting a consistent pass rush. Like I, I've got a ton of faith in the interior of the Texas defensive line, right? Like Tavondre Sweat, stud. Byron Murphy, stud. Alfred Collins, I, I'm still going to continue to doubt him, but he's had an incredible fall camp, and we know what the potential for that young man is. Yes. Uh, Vernon Broughton's there. Trill Carter, like, they've got dudes. They're going to be able to stop the run up the gut, and I think they're going to be able to get some pressure up the middle too. But on the edge, like, what do they have on the edge? Uh, how good is Ethan Burke? How good is Colton Vosick? Hell, how good is Baron Sorrell? Like, I want him to be better than what he was a season ago. The edge position on defense, for me, it's more so the pass rush than the run game, but obviously it's paramount to uh, being able to be effective in both facets of that. Everybody that wants to run against Texas. That's their, their They want to find out in games how tough they are, how physical they are. They claim to be tough. They claim to be physical. They were last year, uh, you know, uh, on the defensive line. But is this a consistent Texas team that's going to do this year out, year in, in order to compete in any conference, not just the Big 12, but any conference that they're in? Will they play the line of scrimmage as tough in all aspects of it? Will they rush the passer and will they stop the and will they hold the edge? That that will be key because they'll all be tested that way. Because every coach wants to test them because they figure, okay, if if they can't, if they can't hold the fort and they can't hold the edge, we're going around them and making big plays all day long. And that's going to be in the first quarter and the fourth quarter. Now, sure. if you force, if, if they're, if they're stopping, they're stopping to the run and plugging it in the middle and you can stop it on the edge, then teams have to drop back and pass. That's when you say, okay, now did you know what they're going to have to do because they can't run against you. Yep. Now you need to get some sacks by these guys outside. Yeah. If you can't stop the run as a defense, then nothing else really matters. Right. Like that's, right. that's oh, the no. most important thing you've got yeah, to be able to Smart coaches will continue to do that to you. Because 100%. they know what that does to you mentally. That hurts you mentally when you can't stop the run. It's not, It's not. okay, we can score a bunch of points against them, but what we can do is we can wear them down because when it really counts in the fourth quarter, we know we're going to run right at them and they won't be able to stop us. Yep, yep. So we'll see, man. We'll see. Uh, the edge position for me, my biggest concern on defense. And then on offense for me, man, I, man, I feel really good about the offense. Like, I, I guess it's Quinn Ewers. Like I, I think Quinn Ewers is going to be so much better this year than he was last year. But I like, believe so I believe so also. I've got more faith in the run game than you do. Obviously, have faith in the wide receivers. Obviously, have faith in the tight end. Uh, have faith in the offensive line. Like I just I, the quarterback. You know, it comes down to Quinn Ewers. Like if Texas wins ten games, if Texas wins the Big Twelve, it's going to be because Quinn Ewers takes that step and he's just a different breed than yeah. what he was last year. And he like he showed it in flashes. And obviously we're hearing great reports out of fall camp, which makes me feel great about Quinn Ewers. But like that to me, just, okay, let me see it. Let me see it this year from Quinn Ewers game in and game out 
And if we do, it feels like the sky is the limit for this Texas football team. But I well, guess he is my biggest concern right now with his offense. Like, how much better is he uh, from a season ago? And can he respond to adversity better than he did uh, a season ago? Those two things are going to go a long way in determining what this Longhorn team does this year. And this team is so talented, he shouldn't have a lot of adversity. It shouldn't be a. It shouldn't be game in, game out where this guy has these quarters where he struggles. He should have some success. It should be about success with this young guy at quarterback this year. That's what I'm looking for. Bouncing back from adversity, you're going to have a little bit of that in the games, but I don't want to see a lot of that from him where he's got a lot of that going on. That means they're not running it well. That means they're not catching passes well. That means his footwork is awful. You yeah. know, there's, there's too many factors in there. They have too talented a football team to have all this adversity. There should be a lot of positives happening in this football season for him. Yeah, and a couple of things that need to change for Texas this year. Sark's got to be better against ranked teams, Buck. Uh, I think the Longhorns just won and four against ranked teams last year. Uh, that's not going to get it done. Uh, I know this Big 12 isn't loaded, but you're, you are going to have a few ranked teams on your schedule this year. I mean, obviously Alabama's ranked right now, TCU, K-State, Oklahoma. Uh, we'll see what happens when Texas gets to those games. Nothing's going to change with Bama, obviously. Uh, Texas has to be better against ranked teams. Yeah. And also – Texas has to be better in one-score games. I think they were two and five in games decided by one score last year. Now, the good news is, like, usually year over year, that flips, right? Like, we saw it with Texas in 2018 when uh, they won the Sugar Bowl and had that 10-win season. Right. The Longhorns won a bunch of one-score games, and it kind of gave us some false hope about how good the team was going to be in 2019. Well, they didn't have the balls bounce their way that following year. They didn't have the same luck, and they ended up falling back to eight and five. Um, you know, I, I guess that is a little bit of a silver lining is that, hey, usually if you're bad in one score games one year, you're going to be good at it the next year. Well, still, Sark has to prove that he can make the correct decisions that decide games late in fourth quarters, because at yeah. times last year he didn't do that. So no. if Texas is going to play in close games this year. Uh, Steve's got to be a little bit better in, yep. in those big spots. And you've talked about that a lot, too, Buck. Two, two games for me that he has to we have to come out of the game at the end of the game and say, Head coach just won that. Sark just won the game for the football team. Well, I know the football team has to play. They have to do all the things that is necessary. They have to execute the plays. But I want to have at least two games that are meaningful games where we say Sark just won that football game for this football team. He's the guy who called the play. That that guy is wide-ass open. That's why it happened. Yeah, you got to execute and throw it to a guy. But I got to come out of a game at least two times this year where the head coach has won the game. There were, there were hardly any of that. I don't remember any of that stuff going on where that dude won the game with his play calling. He has to win a tough ball game because there are going to be some games, BK, against teams that we're like thinking, like we've been saying, oh, Texas should go in and maul them. Because, no, all of a sudden they're in a dogfight in the fourth quarter. But the head coach is going to have to call a series of plays that wins them the game. And that, yeah. that means he's going to have to do things like call the time, a timeout at the right time, take a give the defense an opportunity to call a timeout and not keep it for himself. Just something that we say at the end of the game, that was on the coach. Coach just won that game, and here's what he did to win that game. Yeah, I think I think Sark won a couple of games last year early, right? Like he's one of the best play scripters in the country. Sure. And, early and in the games, yeah. The you think, you think of the West Virginia game, like that turned into a blowout early. You think of the Kansas game, like that turned into a blowout early. Like games like that. Hell, K-State, I know Texas almost fell apart and lost that game, but they got out to that huge lead up there in Manhattan. Like that's that stuff is really good from Sark. I'm telling you, he, he might be – the best, you know, scripter in the country. 
First, first 15 plays or so. What you're talking about has got to be better. Got to be better. The fourth quarter decisions, in-game decisions, the battle of adjustments, that's where Sark has gotten beat over the first two years at Texas. That's where he's gotten beat over his entire coaching career. Yeah, don't go, got, half, don't go into halftime with timeouts. Yep. Try to score at halftime. Don't, don't try to gather yourself and we'll come back. No, score a touchdown at the end. Get yep. a field goal. Do, your play calling and your decision-making has to win this team two football games this year. Yeah, and, and I, it should be easier too because this not only is Sark more experienced, but this team is a hell of a lot more experienced. Right. So like that that should help all in the field. But you're right. I mean, coaching decisions. Uh, you're you're going to need some better ones late in games. There's no doubt about that. For sure. All right. Couple of more uh, shout outs to some sponsors. By the way, quick shout out to Last Stand Hats. You see me rocking their lid during today's program. They're going to be joining us starting next nice. Monday. So shout out to, uh, I think most of you know about Last Stand Hats right now, but we're going to have a promo code on Texas Sports Unfiltered that's going to give you all a discount for some Last Stand Hats. So uh, be on the lookout and the listen out for that. We'll have that for you starting on Monday. But a quick shout out to them. Grateful to have them jumping on board as well. And shout out to Woods Comfort Systems as well, Buck. They've got you hooked up with the AC unit in your home, and you absolutely love it. I love what they do for me. I, I mean, they've been doing it for over 60 years. And Travis, of course, and Dave and the gang, when, when there's something that goes wrong, it's not about things going wrong. It's about having that contract where they come out and secure everything and make sure before the different seasons come in. I know we're right in the middle of the heat, but the winter is just around the corner. Get sure, Make sure they come by and check out your system for heating, too. Get all those filters changed. They'll make sure they get – they'll give you a list of things that you need to do, but they're also – a part of that contract will come out and get it done themselves too. I love those folks. Yep, absolutely. Woodscomfortsystems.com is the website. Woods Comfort Systems, where comfort is our middle name. And also some love to our friends at Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. If you've got something you need done at your house, at an in-law's house, at your place of business, wherever, uh, reach out to Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. They, they've they got everything you need. All of the biggest brands, an extensive selection of all of the tools that you could ever want to tackle any project that you may have. Two Austin area locations, one up north in Anderson Square, the other down south on South First Street, topgun.net. We will shoot you straight. Bucky, we've got college football this weekend. I'm going to give you a chance to provide a thousand unit lock. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. Okay. I'd love, I'd love to hear just your thoughts, what you're looking for as we hit uh, week zero and the official start of the 2023 college football season tomorrow. Well, I, you know, when Notre Dame plays one of the uh, academies, generally – it's a dog fight because the ankle biters get after you. Of course, they're going to run the option. They're going to run everything that they have to run in order to be in a game. They're going to, they're going to jump on the back of your ankles. They're going, to, they're going to bite those ankles. They're going to take those knees out from you. It's hard to practice against the veer. It really is. I mean, because you don't like cutting your gas. But in order to get a real good look, you have to cut gas. You have to come out, cut the legs out from under them. They're going to Notre Dame's going to hate that. They're going to be sore for a week, but I think Notre Dame is going to overpower them in the passing game. I, I expect Hartman to throw BK for about 350, 360 yards in this game. And wow. Notre Dame shows that all that they needed to go along with, you know, they've turned their wide receiver, the little running back number 25. He is fantastic. I mean, he'll, he's a returning running back. They got two returners at running back. I think they will, I think they'll get after uh, the midshipman. 
in the run game and in the pass game. And I think Notre Dame probably wins by at least three or four touchdowns in this football game. Okay. They are 20 and a half point favorites. They'll win by, yeah, I'll take three touchdowns easy. Notre Dame winning over Navy, especially I, early in the year. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I love betting on the, excuse me, my cousin loves yeah. betting on the academies when you don't have much time to prepare. Like, because if you only have a week to prepare for that style of offense, it can cause some problems. Hell, Army yeah. almost went into Norman a few years ago and beat Oklahoma. Like, they took them to overtime. And we've seen examples of the academies on regular weeks just finding success against really, really good teams because their offense is just so hard to prepare for. Now, but, you know they can't throw it a lick, right? Right, 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 right. But still, it's so different. But week one, like, Notre Dame, obviously, they've got big games this season. But their, their first real big game, I mean, they play at NC State week three, but Ohio State week five, right. like that's their first ranked test. There's no real overlook spot because they play Tennessee State, whoever that is, uh, next week. Like, they've had all offseason to prepare for this. So uh, that's obviously not the only thing that they've been focused on because they know they're only going to see this type of offense like once this year because they're not playing Army or Air Force this season. But they've had the time to prepare for this. And I, I never love the academies in this spot because yeah, you can't really catch anybody off guard when it's a bowl game, right. Or it's a season opener or a team's coming off of a buy or they've got multiple weeks to get ready for what you're trying to bring to the table. Yes. Like that scares me a little bit with the academies. So Notre Dame will physically, the lines of scrimmage will be totally different. You're yeah. not going to be able to cut block those big old 300 pound guys. They're going to push you right down to the ground and be in your backfield. Yep. So I've got some questions about Notre Dame this year, but uh, I, I do think they take care of business uh, tomorrow. What about USC, man? Uh, what are your expectations? Look, they're playing San Jose State. Uh, earlier in this show, the line was 30 and a half. I'm seeing it now at 31 and a half. So the money's coming in on the Trojans. Lock it thoughts? down. Lock it down. 1,000 unit play. That's right. Caleb Williams headed to his second Heisman Trophy, two back-to-back Heisman Trophies. Look for Lincoln Riley to start rolling it up on teams before they head to the Big Ten. They are going to tell the Pac-12 to kiss their arse on the way out. They're <laughs> going to try to roll up big numbers on anybody. Anybody that has a school on the West Coast that they play, they are going to try to drive them into the ground. And it starts, it'll start tomorrow with at least a 45 to 50 point drubbing. I was, do you know the way to San Jose? Yeah, that happens starting <laughs> tomorrow. So your your first thousand unit lock of the year is USC minus 31 and a half against yes. the Spartans of San Jose State. Sorry, Sparties. Mm, okay, I'm going to keep track of all your thousand unit locks. I'm, I'm going to expect lot. at least one every weekend. Can we get that? And I generally, I'm not like Tom McKay. Generally, I will hit on a 60%, 70%. I'm not a 50-50 guy. I don't go below 50. I'm a 60 to 70% winner when I lock uh, them up for 1,000 units. So get some of that. That's Tom. true. You're right. You're right. The rest of your cousin's bet's not great. But the 1,000-unit locks, at, at least though, when we were hosting and working together back in the day, you did have a pretty high hit rate on those bad boys. This is a high hit rate, USC, because Lincoln Riley's still gearing up for the Buffaloes. When he puts 70 on Deion Sanders <laughs> and the Buffaloes. Uh, you don't know that I'm a I'm a 5,000-unit lock guy myself. I was doing some of those in Houston. Six and one all time on the 5,000-unit no, really? locks. Yep. 
Is that right, Lee Sterling? And we'll Is have, that what you uh, we'll, we'll have, have him next those. week. Lee Sterling next Friday morning. Nice. To give you his uh, locks and picks for the football season. It's going to be a ton of fun. Just like this week was a ton of fun. Buck, any plans for you this weekend? Uh, just preparing for next week, game week. You know, you and I and, uh, of course, the rest of our crew, we've got a lot going on next week. And we want to make sure everybody's excited and happy about that. And we'll be pre-gaming somewhere, folks. And you'll hear about it early in the week of next week where we'll be. And we'd love for you to come out and join us for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hit the like button on this video. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this channel. Get to the 5,000 mark. Let's go. I'll keep begging for it. We need to get the 5k so you guys can win surprises, but we need y'all's help. Y'all please tell a couple of friends today to subscribe to Texas sports unfiltered. Algorithms. Hit the algorithms. If you're hitting the town, spread the word, man. We're trying to, uh, trying to grow this thing as much as we can. And we're obviously trying to hook you guys up by doing just that. Trey and BK coming from 12 to 1. Chip and Zay coming from 1 to 3. Thank y'all so much for watching. The Buck and I will be back on Monday. Until then, y'all have a great weekend. Okay.